Hello everyone and welcome back to The Rewatchman where we don't review movies, we re-review them. I am TCD Witt with me across the table as always is my co-host Mr. Bento. Today we are looking at the 2002 Spider-Man directed by Sam Raimi starring Tobey Maguire, Willem Dafoe, Kirsten Dunst, and James Franco. And let's see how this movie holds up after all these years. Ben, how are you, sir? I am well. I can't wait to talk about... Kevin Nash's bone saw. <laughs> that was not Kevin Nash. It was what? Macho Man Randy Savage. Was that Macho Man? Yeah, I thought that was Kevin Nash. Kevin Nash is the Ru- is the uh, Russian from the Punisher movie. That's right. That's right. Yes, You're... he's also in the first John Wick. Good, good calls. Good call. <laughs> nice save. Bone saws, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> but I am well, sir. It's nice to be sitting across from my favorite face mm, of all time, mm, podcasting again, I talking about some Spider Man. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me ask. All right, so 2002, you were high school, right? I was in. Sixth, seventh grade. Oh, actually. geez. Yeah. So you were junior high. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what was your initial feeling like going into this Spider-Man movie as a little twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old kid? Good lord, it blew my pants off, man! Like literally and figuratively. <laughs> growing up, Batman and Spider-Man were my one-two. Yeah. Of, yeah. Of goats of all-time superheroes, um, <laughs> and just seeing him finally live action because growing up with the '94 Spider-Man animated series was mm-hmm, fantastic, mm-hmm. but. To actually see him free falling and swinging through the New York City and fighting the Green Goblin live in the flesh was nothing like I've ever seen. It was, it was very uh, transformative for me to see yeah, that film yeah. at that early of an age. I it so 2002. I was just out of high school, so I was in my second year of college, um, and it was. I I can remember when the trailer came out and yes. that first trailer where he captures some bank robbers and webs them to the two towers. Yes. And then September 11th happened, mm-hmm. and they pulled that trailer. They pulled those posters. Um, I may or may not have both of those. Ooh, that must be worth a lot. And I may or may not know. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the trailer was just on everything. They marketed the holy hell out of this movie, mm-hmm. which it was like $40 million just in just in marketing, which 2002, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's nothing now. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and... It was incredible. It was amazing, spectacular. It was the ultimate. It was. <laughs> it came out, and was everything. It was amazing. It was unbelievable to see that movie when it. Because this is this is, we had Blade. We yes. had the Batman movies, mm-hmm. right? We had old Superman movies. We X Men. Spider Spider Man was a uh, superhero. Yeah, the X Men. Superheroes as we know them now, that was not a thing back yeah. in two thousand two. So the fact that this came out and it was. It was as good as it was mm-hmm. that they they it took forty years for, from the creation of Spider-Man to him to hit the big screen. So for you Miles Morales fans out there, you got to wait a little longer. Eighty. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's see. He was created what seven eight years ago. So yes. You have uh, thirty-two years left to wait until <laughs> you see him on the big screen. <laughs> so let's let's. So when's the last time you saw this movie? Is the question. Sure thing. Um, when was the last time? I want to say a few years ago. Okay. Maybe I caught a rerun on TNT. Yeah. I definitely saw Spider-Man Two more recently, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. a year ago. Now we can we can also discuss Spider-Man Two now in preparation for this. I I rewatched both of them. Mm. Um, you only watched the 2002 Spider-Man, only but you have seen Spider-Man Two multiple times, yes. so you can obviously discuss it. But for the longest time, I never understood why people liked Spider-Man Two more than Spider-Man One. Mm-hmm. Because even even right now, people yeah. will still say, "Ah, oh, it's Spider-Man Two, 
top five of all-time superhero movies, mm. and I disagree. Mm. I respectfully disagree. People mm. obviously are going to have a right to their opinion, but I've always put that first one over the second one. Yeah. And even rewatching them now, I still think that first one's better. It's Damn, a, it's, a, it's a tighter film. Mm. It's a tighter film, and uh, we we can obviously continue to discuss it. But that second one. It looks better. Yeah. The film quality between the first and the second is is an improvement. Mm. It looks Spider Man Two looks more like a modern day movie, like yeah. a contemporary film. Spider Man One, it's I, I don't know what version you watched. I watched my DVD. <laughs> oh, I streamed it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There there might be a Blu Ray special edition out there, but it the film the it, its age shows in its film quality mm. and a, and some of that CG. Yeah. There are some pretty amazing CG moments. The the first time he takes photos of himself, yeah. and it's dark, and he jumps down, and the camera's going off while he's kicking. That CG looks really good. That was pretty cool. And all the web-slinging stuff, not not exactly Spider-Man web-slinging, but the actual fact that they took a camera and dropped it from 200 feet and let it swing through the city mm-hmm. and filmed it at 60 frames a second yeah. to achieve the web-slinging, mm-hmm. I don't think we've seen better web-slinging than that first movie. Wow. Perhaps the second one because they used yeah. a similar technique, mm-hmm. but I don't think web slinging in the Garfield movies, in Tom Holland's uh, The Homecoming, mm-hmm. looks as good as that first bit of web slinging we saw. That I will agree. Um, I think the sense of just free falling, like I was alluding to earlier, was not captured as much or as um, as viscerally as these first two films, yeah. uh, which is insane because it's <laughs> like 15 years old, but I guess this just just goes to show technique never ages yeah it's yeah. it's something about the it's the, f- the fact that they used to film the fact that they dropped cameras from 200 stories up to, yeah. to achieve the the swooping effect yes there's cg obviously mm. there's cg there couldn't there couldn't not be cg but it wasn't real there's so <laughs> there's so much uh practical use um, yeah uh, willem dafoe doing 90 percent of his stunts mm. uh um actually building the sets and that's not to say some of this stuff is weak, because yeah. <laughs> like the pumpkin bomb that it, that blows up the the people and just turns them into skeletons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> I thought the first time when he was swinging through the city, when he was uh, chasing after Uncle Ben's killer. Yes, that was super cheesy. That was super <laughs> goofy looking. That was. Um, I mean, PS One cutscenes were looking way better. Oh <laughs> no, no way! That looked, that was just like, man, this is an animated movie now. <laughs> well, it, computers have come a long way. They have, they yeah. have. Especially, but, I mean, I don't want to go on like a Planet of the Apes tangent, but did you see it? The not yet. One? I haven't seen the newest one yet. I want to say anything other than technology has like. There is no more uncanny valley. To see it. <laughs> it doesn't I've exist said, anymore. You know, I've said it before on this podcast. Yeah, I believe it. I am no longer. They have tricked my eye and brain so much yeah. that though I believe that I'm seeing talking apes. Yeah, there is no. Oh, that's fake. Yeah, exactly. yeah, pretty much. Uh, so the the rubbery, cartoony Tobey Maguire jumping on the rooftops yeah. and this and the the rubbery Spider Man. It doesn't work every time. Yeah, but let let's start from the beginning. Let's start from the very beginning. From movie. the beginning, Danny Elfman's score is a, incredible. Yes. That you know, obviously his Batman score, it, and there's John Williams Superman score. I, I, beside those two, I don't know if there is a better superhero score than Elfman's Spider-Man. Damn! Like it sounds like spiders, right? And Michael Giacchino, who just did Homecoming, he did he did a very fine job. I I can't remember who. Oh, um, 
Hans Zimmer did yes. did Amazing Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and Hans Zimmer's great too. But they cannot achieve what Danny Elfman achieved yeah. in his first go around. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, but that's from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. I'm immediately immersed into Spider Verse. Yes, with that the music and mm-hmm. the the webs, the opening credit sequence and whatnot. Um, yeah, I, you can you can disagree if you like Giacchino's score better than mine. That's fine, or better than mine, better than <laughs> better than TC's score. Uh, <laughs> no, I I think there is something about that era of score for superhero movies that stood out more than today's superhero movies scoring. Um, I feel as though it's meant to blend in with the film more so than just like stand out and be memorable. Mm-hmm. I suppose like. Like, I love the Dark Knight score. It was just not something you can hum. Yeah, yeah. no, no. That's there's a there's a Patrick H. Williams on YouTube, and um, every frame of painting yeah. have both done pieces on. Go ahead, hum hum James Bond's theme. You can do that. Cool. Yeah. Hum Star Wars. Cool. Cool. Hum Captain America. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's not fair to just pinpoint the Marvel movies for that because it's just cinema in general yeah. doesn't have. Mm-hmm memorable scores anymore yeah it's just trending towards a different direction which is totally fine i think it works for what it is um but uh if you took i mean not i mean i'm going back to playing the apes again but (laughs) they uh, michael giacchino did that score as well and the hardest working composer in hollywood (laughs) got a monopoly him and zimmer but um he took a lot of cues from the charlton heston playing the apes Mm -hmm. in terms of the score so i felt as though like that like the scores of yesteryears could still work today yeah and so that i I just think that's a testament of how timeless danny elfman's score was for spider-man so i totally agree that's like definitely top 10 yeah yeah um but let i i don't know if you i don't know what you'd like to discuss in general but one thing i noticed right up front in watching rewatching these movies especially that first one is how better the flow of the film is Mm compared to any of the other Spider-Man movies we've got since, particularly out of the Raimi, when you go to the web movies, when you go to a lot of the superhero movies we deal with, because it wasn't, it didn't have to expand any universe. It was not married to other franchises. It just was its own thing. Mm. And therefore it didn't have the baggage of having to reference this or tie into that. I love the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm. I love how expertly they've weaved everything together but sometimes that is a detriment to the film itself yeah the the first spider-man movie stands alone Mm. it's its own thing without anything else to worry about and that helps the movie yeah uh how did you feel about the pace of the film i thought it moved very briskly okay cool um sometimes a little too brisk yeah but i i can see it now i think just rethinking about spider-man 2 um, especially when Peter drops the Spider-Man persona yeah. and he sees crime on the streets and he's thinking to himself, should I stop Should I stop them or should I not? Mm-hmm. I think that part of Spider-Man 2 was what slowed it down a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> and so, yeah, I can see how this is like the perfect origin. I mean, Donner's Superman legacy lives on in so many of these superhero films. Like this, they definitely use the Superman template for uh, oh, yeah. the Spider-Man for Wonder Woman and whatnot. Yeah. So um, it's just like a timeless formula that just never ages. And mm-hmm. so I felt as though this moved very well it aged pretty well the only thing like like rewatching it i didn't i did not like it as much as i remembered it, how okay. well i liked it and i think it has nothing to do with the overall movie itself mm-hmm. i think structurally it's sound Raimi's direction is in- impeccable i don't like these characters i really don't like these the, characters. these iterations of yeah. 
Peter and Mary Jane mm-hmm. and Harry, Norman, and May. So yeah. like those specific, those specific five characters. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I'll go on that in a second. Let yeah. me just say that as I was watching Spider-Man One, I yeah. did have a moment of, is this slow? Okay. Is this so? And then I which, looked at the, which moment was that? Just, just it was just before the. Uh, Norman uh, the Goblin attacks the test base at okay. Quest, right? Yeah. And I was, and I, and I thought for a moment, is this slow? Yeah. And then I looked at it, and no, it was like thirty minutes into the movie already, okay. and it got there. Like it is so well crafted of a script, yeah. and edited so well that you get to the spider bite in the first ten minutes. Yes, and in the first ten minutes, you get tone, mm-hmm. style, the important character traits of Peter, Mary Jane, and Harry, yeah. and Norman, mm. all in 10 minutes, yeah. is, that's tight. Yeah. That is really tight script Size writing. is tight. And in the in the, in the uh, 15 minutes, you have him up to uh, bit and testing his powers. And by the 30-minute mark, you have uh, everything is set up to be, to, to launch the rest of the movie. Yeah. And, and that's, that's incredible. That is yeah. really expertly handled filmmaking. Mm. Uh, some movies we you can watch now don't have that sort of uh, that don't have that tight of a script don't have that tight of a pace mm. that that the, it it can feel clunky or too fast. I I see what you mean about it. It kind of feeling a little rushed here and there. Yeah. But sitting back and trying to nitpick it for its its quality and whatnot. Yeah. As soon as I thought, oh, maybe this is boring compared to what superhero movies are now. Mm. I realized, oh no, they're actually structuring this really well yeah i will say overall it and this is just a a compliment to television Mm. it feels more like a tv movie or tv show now than a big theatrical film yeah because everything that you could do in spider-man you can do now on arrow Mm. you can do in the flash you can do in the netflix shows yeah and so albeit it is still good it does feel more like television less like film yeah However, film now is so adrenaline pumped yeah. and move, 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 mm-hmm. and boom, boom, go, 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 that blockbusters need to be bigger and louder and better to get people to come to the movies. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know if it's a compliment or an insult to say it's, it feels more like television. Mm. Um, Spider-Man 2 feels even more like television. Oh, wow. <laughs> because of the, the, the melodrama mm. of 2 yeah. is even more than the first one. Especially with what they do with MJ and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, let let's talk about the camp of this. Yes. Oh, yes. It this is. This isn't Power Rangers, yeah. and I don't mean the new Power Rangers. I mean the old school Power. Yeah. Rangers. This isn't the old school Star Trek, mm. but there is a level of campiness mm. to the Raimi verse. How do you how do you accept that as a as a viewer this time? Yeah. It's something that I, even as a kid, I never enjoyed. I think that's why I don't latch on to uh, Whedon's work or um, stuff tonally that are similar to uh, this kind of universe in general. Mm-hmm. I just think it's just, maybe it's just preference for myself, but I, I don't know. Like, I, I shouldn't go into Homecoming yet, but. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there, folks. For those listening, we will be discussing Homecoming. I don't I don't feel like there's a sense of timelessness with the Spider-Man. I do feel like this is 2002. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. It, see, it's, it's, the, it's the difficulty when it comes to technology yeah not not just the technology used to make the film but actually the technology characters use in the film yeah. <laughs> there no, there, there's pay phones being used yeah. there's no cell phones there's 
I mean, at least they didn't have pagers, right? Like I would they... have loved to see a pager. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see where you're coming from that it does feel dated in a sense. Yeah. But I don't know. I disagree. I think mm. it does have a timeless quality to it because the themes of it, yeah. despite the campiness, the themes of it are so strongly presented and they are universal. Yeah. The uh, choosing to do the right thing despite uh, the great power, great responsibility theme. Yeah. Um, the fact that the, uh, 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 Raimi sets up the theme right at the beginning. Yes. He says, like most stories, this is all about a girl. Mm. And that's how the movie starts. Everything for the first third of that film, Peter's making the choices he's making because he's got a crush on Mary Jane. Yeah. That's it. And that's not dumb. That's a high school guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about you, Ben, yeah. but I was a dumb high school guy. I don't like girls. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as soon as the Uncle Ben moment happens and yeah. he loses uncle ben and he makes the decision to become spider-man then it's no longer about a girl it's about something so much bigger mm. this whole movie and it's not even like subtext is an allegory for puberty mm. i mean i did, someone one of my fr- old friends used to make fun of the movie for being like come on he's in his bedroom naked and his aunt's like hey are you okay yeah big change <laughs> like but he's not wrong yeah the first time he reaches out and catches Mary Jane mm. and shows off for her, and she looks him in the eye yeah. and says, wow, you have nice eyes. Mm. Did you just get contacts? And he just stares her like a dope, <laughs> and she walks away. Yeah. The next thing that happens is he gets down, he sits down, and he... <laughs> he ben, he, he spurts. Yeah. That's, uh, that's not... That's, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just putting the two and two together. DC... TC, this has been T.C. DeWitt's Sex Education Hour. <laughs> <laughs> so using using Spider-Man and Peter Parker and the, the his whole journey as an allegory for puberty is like, it's right there. Yeah. Like, Raimi knew what he was doing. Hammering you over the head. It's, <laughs> it's so deliberate, and it's... <laughs> organic, all right. Ooh. Organic spider webs, all right. <laughs> um, I... This is uh, this is my problem when they use this kind of uh, archetype stock character as the universal high school character. Yeah, because yeah. I just feel as though it doesn't add to a it doesn't add nuanced layers to the conversation of what high school and the coming of age uh, story goes to. You know what I mean? I understand this is like two thousand two, mm-hmm. but I think just maybe I'm just watching it from a modern context and a modern lens. But just rewatching it again, I just feel maybe that's where the argument where I'm coming from why it's so dated is just so. Because I'm tired of the storytelling. Like I've, I've seen it, like dating from predating 2002. That's the only high school story that we've seen. You know, it's in every John Hughes, yeah, like, it, John Hughes, and uh, like James Ke- Dean. Yeah, and yeah, it goes on for eras over and over again. And so, I just feel maybe that's why the new one feels so refreshing because you get a multiple perspective of what high school is really like. High school, okay. And so, um, I mean, it, it's not a drawback from the film. Obviously, it can't fight against time. Mm-hmm. Like. It can only stand against it and see what happens, but right. I do feel there's certain elements of it that just does not hold up for me. Like just rewatching it, I do. I did feel really annoyed at how pathetic Tobey Maguire's take on <laughs> Peter Parker was. He wasn't likable, you know what I mean? Like I understand getting bullied and getting um, feeling awkward in high school and stuff like that, but I just feel as though it there it doesn't add to your likability of how pathetic you are, and it mm. it just makes me feel really sad to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and and MJ is just so clueless all the time. You know, she's just there to be saved, and just she is the definitive damsel in distress, which was really annoying to watch. Because from the jump, like you said, the opening line was everything I'm doing is for our girl, yeah. and she is 
literally being objectified in that one line right there. And so, I don't know, that that bothered me on on a different level than just film watching. And mm-hmm. so, I don't know. I don't know how you felt about that. <laughs> well, I, I enjoyed Toby's performance. Yeah. I Remembering it was like, uh, he looks like he's 30 and he's in high school. <laughs> Flash Thompson and his buddies have yeah. like crow's feet, oh and they definitely look like they, they are definitely way... do not look like they belong in high school. But his performance, I thought Toby's, Toby's performance, albeit a senior in high school, yeah, I knew guys like that. Hmm. Like I knew super awkward, uncomfortable individuals like yeah. that. So it, it, I thought he did a a, a pretty good job. Uh, Kirsten Dunst, I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen a performance from hers that has blown me away like i know she's (laughs) damn well i'm not not that she's a bad actress yeah but oh you know what like drop dead gorgeous she's really good in that (laughs) is that the cheerleading movie no no that's bringing on drop dead gorgeous is the the pageant movie pageant movie yeah Um, you know i will say i think i think toby's a phenomenal actor it has nothing to do with him as mm -hmm. an actor himself i do think it's the direction of this film and where they're trying to take this character because um it's not just the dopey and the awkwardness i thought he was creepy Oh, okay. I thought he was. There's a lot of voyeurism in this film. Now, is this <laughs> creepy on the level of Andrew Garfield? Not, now, I don't want to get too much into the Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man, but it's it's a it's fair to compare. Yeah, we'll talk about Homecoming eventually, but the Andrew Garfield Peter Parker hmm. is an asshole. Yeah, and he's he is creepy as hell, <laughs> and and he he's borderline something like. I, he's on the spectrum in a and in, he's and, definitely a narcissist and yeah. just really self-involved i someone I, I saw a really cool video essay actually on the spider-men's um someone was making the argument that toby was a really good peter mm-hmm. and andrew was a really good spider-man yeah i've yeah. i've definitely you yeah. you will hear me say that again and again you'll hear some of our listeners will agree with that yeah. as well toby was a, you know in many i i do feel he was a very 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 good peter yes but his spider-man lacked what we had been reading in the comics our whole lives. Talking shit! Yeah. <laughs> and that's what Andrew Garfield brought, yeah. particularly in Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. Garfield, they found Spider-Man mm-hmm. really well in it. But Peter was still a mess of a character. He was such a jerk that when he inherited his powers, he just became more of a jerk. He yeah. was a jerk with powers. Like, yeah. how can you root for a guy like, like that? When I, the scene where Peter uses his spider sense and agility the first time against Flash, yeah. he's in awe like, he's shocked by what he's doing like what what is this, this is, that scene was pretty cool yeah that was a cool scene that I use like of, yeah. of the spider sense and and his what, what's happening and and how intrigued and, yeah. and the scientific mind at work of mm-hmm. like what's happening why am i doing this yeah freaking andrew garfield does kickflips on his skateboard and shatters the back the back of a, a backboard on a basketball hoop yeah what an asshole <laughs> <laughs> i just going back to that hallway fight uh, in the high school, I do. That scene was so strong because of all the other characters' reactions. Yeah, like MJ's reaction in that moment was kind of she was frightened, mm-hmm. she was confused, yeah. as everyone else should. Yeah, everyone else was just like, "Oh, cool! He just did a triple backflip. <laughs> like that's a normal thing here at New York High, or wherever they're at, Mid- Midtown, Midtown High." I, so, like, I liked Harry's line. Where MJ's like, "Harry, help him!" Yeah. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> that was great. That was really good. That was really um, good. I think that whole sequence was really strong. There are some generally strong sequences throughout yeah. this whole movie that, that, to me, raise it above its faults. Yeah. Uh, James Franco in this is great. I think yes. he actually does a very good... Spider-Man 2, we're seeing full James Franco. 
Spider-Man One, he has a nuance to his performance. Yeah. He he's he's playing a very wounded character who's living under the shadow of his best friend yeah. and his father's idea of what he needs to be. He's he does a really good job in this. This was off of his Emmy win for playing James Dean. He, oh, yeah. he had been um, on Freaks and Geeks. Mm. It is the early stages of his career. In the two years between Spider-Man 1 and Spider-Man 2, he went. He became full James Franco. Full Franco. Because he went to UCLA and became a professor. Like that, <laughs> like that second one when he when when he uh, comes in and meets Otto Octavius. When yeah. He's like, Nobel Prize, Otto, Nobel Prize. <laughs> like it's so hammy, and he's, shut it down. It's way more campy. It's yeah. way more ridiculous. He's... He he's James Franco as we know it, but in the first one, yeah. I really felt for the guy. I really felt for Harry as a character that he's he's struggling to deal with his father's expectations. Very restrained. Yeah, it's it's a very well done performance. He's he's the yeah. best Harry we've seen so far. That's for sure. That's true. <laughs> Dang, I totally <laughs> forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know me. I'm not a, I'm not a Franco fan at all. Mm-hmm. But watching this again, he definitely stood out as one of the stronger performances, if not. I'm not going to say strongest. Definitely one of the stronger performances. You know, I know a lot of people complain about Goblin. And let's talk about Goblin. Let's talk Will, about Will Goblin. Defoe. Will Defoe. Defoe. Yeah. You know, I like Willem Dafoe in this. I, a lot of folks like to complain about him the most about in, in this film because he's just so over the top. But I think he's <laughs> the one who's actually enjoying it the most. He knows what kind of movie he's in, and he's totally hamming it up, and that's okay. I really enjoy his performance. Yeah. I know I can look at the mask and I can I can see the uh, talk about campy. <laughs> I can see it, right? Mm. But Willem Dafoe fully embraces it. He is clearly having a ball doing it. Mm. He was determined to do all of his own stunts. Yeah. He helped design the costume because the original costume was more armor. Yeah. And he's like, I want to move. Yeah. You can't, I can't move in this. You mm. need to trim it down. Did you see the original mask by any chance? There's been, uh, oh, no. they just recently released BTS of the 2002 Oh, making, cool. Yeah. And they were doing the fitting of the original mask. It was like animatronic and everything. Oh, wow. It actually looked like the comic book goblin and everything. It was so creepy. Yeah. I couldn't believe they didn't use that mask. That was an awesome mask. Wow. It's, I, I can the mask. I was in defense of the mask almost immediately yeah. way back in two thousand two because people were like, "Oh, he looks like a Power Rangers bad guy." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he kind of does. Yeah. However, they established very clearly the importance of masks to Norman Osborn. Yeah, all over his mansion mm-hmm. before the Goblin reveals himself to Norman, you see the collection of masks. This guy clearly has an, an obsession and an appreciation for what masks mean in mm-hmm. societies, yeah. in cultures. So the fact that he would make something so cartoonish yeah it makes sense in the universe that Raimi has created and so i'm i'm all for it and i think yeah. willem dafoe does a freaking creepy ass hell of a good job in this movie <laughs> he's he's up there in one of the in the top 10 at least of best marvel villains of all time oh easily his his i don't think there's a 10 <laughs> <laughs> that therein lies the problem with yeah. the marvel movies but i'm in i'm I'm not using Marvel Cinematic. I'm saying all Marvel movies that yeah. they've ever had, from the Sony movies to the Fox movies to the MCU. Willem Dafoe's Goblin is mm. great. And Otto is as well. Yeah. And it's because Raimi took the time, the scriptwriters took the time to develop the villains as full, realized human beings. Mm. And Willem Dafoe gets to play two characters. Yes. He's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde here. He's mm-hmm. playing two. I love the mirror technique that they used. And and then eventually pushing into doing the shot reverse of mm-hmm. of him performing it, that's great acting. Yeah. And his his face changes, his physical features change. Mm-hmm. What a what an amazing performance by him, 
to embody this super villain. I was like, I was like pre-Gollum Gollum, Gollum moment. Pre-Gollum, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll meet again, Spider-Man! <laughs> it's so silly. It's so, but it works. It works. Yeah. It's, it is like the midpoint between Lex Luthor by Gene Hackman and someone like... Um, uh, Zemo in yeah, Civil War. Absolutely. I think Willem Dafoe fits right there in the middle. Yeah. He, there, there's a lot of reminiscence uh, in, of Dafoe in Wilson Fisk in yeah. Netflix. That, yeah. And, it's, and it takes a serious performance by a serious actor to to be able to walk that line. Mm. Um, Jeff Bridges in the first Iron Man. Being able to walk the line and not fall too over into the ridiculousness of Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> or anything from the Burton movies. Yeah. Is is great, and yes. I think he handles it really, really well. I think he's yeah. I think he's the only one who realizes what kind of movie he was in. <laughs> to be honest, it, well, speaking of that, I yeah. think Kirsten Dunst is the one who took it too seriously. Yeah, I was I was reading trivia about it. Elizabeth Banks auditioned to be Mary yeah, Jane. I did read that too. And I think she would have made a pretty good Mary Jane. She would have been great. Like Elizabeth Banks, who plays Betty Brant in it, she's yeah. the secretary to, to J. Jonah Jameson, mm-hmm. who we'll get to in a moment. <laughs> um, I think she could have. I don't know if she's she was young enough though. Yeah, I think she might have come off. I don't I don't know if I would have believed Elizabeth Banks as a high school senior. She was twenty five by then. Or yeah, something like that, or yeah, yeah. And whereas Kirsten Dunst, I, I could believe her as a high school senior. Yeah. She portrayed herself, carried herself mm. as such. I just didn't. It's like you said. Maybe it's how the character was written. She just wasn't compelling enough. As yeah. I, this is an example of people completely flipping their lid over the casting of Mary Jane Watson. Oh, Snaggletooth, Kirsten Dunst, she's supposed to be a bombshell model. Ugh. I think that even goes back further and lies the problem with the character in itself. Like, you and I always talk, we're pro-Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Um, Emma Stone did an amazing job with Gwen. Yeah, she's probably one of the best love interests in the Spider-Verse, but... um, just going back, like there's not enough depth to MJ as a character as a whole at Look, her we, core. Listen, I mean, yeah, she is a punchline. Yes, Mary, Mary Jane Watson mm. is a punchline, mm. and anyone out there who is upset about the casting of Mary Jane in whatever franchise, mm. the only qualification is that she's pretty. Yes, because the whole joke for 20 years in the <laughs> comics was Aunt May trying to set up Peter with. Her friend's daughter, uh, daughter, yeah, her niece. Mm. Let me set you up with this Mary Jane Watson. She's, you'll, she'd be perfect. Oh yeah, man, I don't want to date your ugly friend's ugly niece. <laughs> and then after he loses Gwen, after everything that's gone wrong in Peter's life, he mm. finally just submits and says, "Fine, set me up on a date with this Mary Jane." Mm. And she opens the door, and it's freaking beautiful redhead bombshell Mary Jane who says face it Jack face it Tiger you just hit the jackpot yeah punchline mm-hmm. for for all this time he thought he was going to be dating this homely girl and boom <laughs> yeah. and that's it that's all Mary Jane needed to be mm-hmm. so she was objectified from the get yes yeah. that's it Stanley himself <laughs> said it himself he's like oh, the only qualification is that she's pretty you dirty dirty <laughs> old man excelsior excelsior <laughs> And then she went on to become the most known love interest and wife of Peter Parker. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely a lot of cool arcs yes. involving the character. Yeah. But I just think from from the jump, she didn't ha- she didn't get uh, enough to do as much as Gwen. Because Gwen had full agency over herself. She had a career. She was a scientist. She became Spider-Gwen. You know, so mm-hmm. many cool things happened for her character 
where I feel as though, like, it, prototypically, when you think of damsels in distress in the superhero verse, you think of Mary Jane Watson the first. Or old school Lois Lane. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that is not fair for you Superman fans out there. Lois Lane, though she was always a damsel, she put herself in those situations because she was seeking out a story. She was seeking a story. Yeah. Yes, so, exactly. Yes, she is a, a type of damsel, but... Mm. Mary Jane even more so is right, yeah. I, I swear half of her of Kirsten Dunst's lines must have just been and scream <laughs> <laughs> between the two movies she does a lot of ah! <laughs> insert squeal <laughs> however they had good chemistry I think they Kirsten did. Dunst and Tobey Maguire's chemistry was really believable like, I do I, think the upside down uh, alleyway kiss mm-hmm. is still one of the most iconic romantic scenes in a superhero movie one, yes yeah hands down it's it's one of the most iconic hmm. yes I agree uh, their their chemistry in the backyard scene when he's like you you can make it you can be an actress uh, I, believe. I cried as a baby when you played Cinderella and she just deadpans that was second grade <laughs> like, that, that was great yeah. like sh- their their relationship their chemistry is very believable yeah and the the romance between her and Harry and her infatuation with Spider Man and her feelings for Peter for for the style of the film is portrayed and laid out very well Hmm. um it still verges into that camp territory but it's uh, often it can be an insult to say to or it can sound like an insult to say the movie knows what it is yeah the fast and furious movies they know exactly what they are and they achieve that that they don't try to be this or that or try to mix too many tones raimi's spider-man particularly this first one is very consistent yeah in its tone it knows exactly what it is whether or not the actors in it particularly know what they're in hmm. um, is, a, is a debate to be had. Uh, you said Franco had, uh, I think Willem Dafoe knew what he was in. Hmm. And J.K. freaking Simmons. <laughs> oh, my God. If I do not envy whoever has to be the next J. Jonah Jameson because he just is so awesome, in, especially the first one. Yeah. Uh, that, that whole Daily Bugle despite the fact that you only see like maybe 10 employees total <laughs> uh it's so well realized yeah. i love it i love angry ass jk simmons and and the timing and speed of everything you got ted Ramey's hoffman coming in and yeah. you're like get out of here your wife's <laughs> on the phone hang up <laughs> great stuff uh, like even the subtlety of robbie robertson's performance mm. who's the um he's the black gentleman who's jk's one of his uh people yeah. um when jay when jonah picks the photo and lays it down and says, this is what we're going to use. As he and Peter continue their conversation, Robbie switches the photos. <laughs> <laughs> he switches and picks a better one. So that's that's a great nuanced little like yeah. subtle performance. Like If you're not looking at him, you wouldn't see it. Mm. But uh, that, that actor does a good job playing the character with the limited time he has on screen and limited yeah. dialogue, while J.K. Simmons is this force to be reckoned with i mean awesome. what are your what are your thoughts on it? i mean obviously yeah. i'm gushing over it but yeah. how do you feel i think he's the best part of the movie <laughs> there, there should be a spinoff the daily beagle <laughs> i'd I, watch the hell out of that i'd watch it i i do think uh the comedic moments when when they really hit i think they really hit it, it works really well i think sam raimi has a great this just i think just pulling back and taking whatever complaints i have of the movie i do feel the characterizations i'm not a fan of some of the choices of the of they do for Spider-Man I'm not a fan of. Mm-hmm. But all in all, the direction, it's well realized, but also it's genre mashups. It's it's a comedy with a, mashed up with a horror movie. One yes. of the best sequences in any Spider-Man movie is when Spy, is when Toby comes or Peter comes back 
for Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. and he forgot to like uh, he forgot something. The cranberry sauce. The cranberry sauce. Yes. And he hangs upside down in his room, and the blood drops to the floor, and Willem Dafoe's in the in the room because he's suspecting something. Yeah. There's just so much tension. Yeah. In that scene in the dinner table scene where they're kind of just sizing each other up with mm-hmm. wordplay and whatnot and everyone's just looking around like uh what's going on here? <laughs> norman's weird <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly there's just that was really well crafted very well well realized and um it goes to show the strength of him as a director i, I just don't know maybe just going back to to like well we talk about christopher nolan always being like you know he's a he's a visual director he's mm-hmm, not so mm-hmm. much a actor's director I kind of feel like maybe Sam Raimi falls in that camp. His the horror elements you're spot on, yeah. and uh, even uh, in Spider-Man Two, with Spider-Man Two, yeah. yes, there's the the surgery scene yeah. where, the, where the the arms come to life and kill yeah. everyone is straight up Evil Dead. That's I mean, how the guy pulls a mini bone saw chainsaw <laughs> like that's such an Evil Dead <laughs> yeah. reference. But the the use of Raimi's horror element mm. style of filmmaking works really well in this fun action adventure superhero yeah. movie. And his sense of comedy is really, really tight. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's why the Daily Bugle scenes work as well as they do. Yeah. Um, and some of the awkward pauses in, in weird Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I will even say, like, I'm, first of all, I'm really proud of us for not mentioning Spider-Man 3 at all yet. <laughs> so high five for that. But I will, I will mention it now because um, I, I was just watching a clip randomly just to prep um, mm-hmm. of Spider-Man 3 because I didn't want to watch the actual movie. Mm. Uh I considered it, but I decided not to. <laughs> you spared yourself. I did. I went and saw Homecoming again instead. <laughs> <laughs> when when Peter, uh, you know, Battle Ravage Peter, his mask is half off. They're in the half-built skyscraper, and he's looking for Venom. Where, where is he? And then Venom, like, swings down and grabs him by the head. <laughs> yeah. That was, like, a really scary moment. I jumped out of my seat when I watched that. So, that, <laughs> so even even Spider-Man 3, with all its flaws, had really great Ramiisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when that's, well, the... The problem with Spider-Man 3 is it was so much studio meddling yeah. that Raimi didn't get to achieve what he wanted to achieve, mm-hmm. where he did get to do what he wanted for Spider-Man 1 and 2. And when Raimi's being Raimi, when that director, he's a visionary director, is yeah. doing what he does best, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stuff with, with Bruce Campbell being the, you know, bo- uh, the amazing Spider-Man! <laughs> oh, that's st- like him as the announcer there, him as the matri- or the um, the usher in uh, Spider-Man 2. The maitre d'. Well, he's the maitre d' in Spider-Man 3. Oh, that's right, yeah. All of Bruce Campbell's stuff is great, and I mean, mostly because Raimi and him are best buds and they yeah. know how to work together. But you're right, the comedy works but it's not the comedy people wanted from Spider-Man. Yeah. Right? People want the smart-ass Spider-Man cracking jokes and, and rattling off one-liners, which we do get with Garfield's Spider-Man. Mm. Oh, no, Knives. Knives, you found my biggest weakness. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, like, that's, that was really good. That's really well done. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. Okay. Something that I, I will also compliment Raimi on, on his style is – the choice that Peter is a blue collar, lower cl- he's poor. Peter is yeah. poor, and this movie this movie portrays a blue collar Peter Parker like we've never seen. We haven't seen since. Yeah, he Aunt May is struggling. Uncle Ben is struggling, um, and we should obviously talk about Uncle Ben. Um, they, I want to get by on my own steam. Um, construction workers and cabbies and the the lower class. Mm person is embodied by the everyman that is this version of spider-man yeah peter is from the streets he is poor mm. he is struggling so is mary jane and, and that creates a great juxtaposition between 
himself and Harry, who is this kid from wealth, and yeah. and Norman himself, who is like super wealthy, it creates the underdog much better than I think the other Spider-Mans have since, mm-hmm. because of the privilege, good or bad, that we've seen since. The Maguire, especially in this first one, Spider-Man, is a down on his luck, pinching every penny, can hardly get by, normal American Joe. Yeah, and that is portrayed really, really well. Yeah, and and there's other elements of 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 this first movie in particular that delve into a blue-collar America that we don't see hardly at all. Yeah. I can think of one example with Captain America, which I'll get to, and it's the the blue-collar Christianity as well. Now, there's not Ooh, a lot of yes. there's not a lot of Christianity allegories happening in this yeah. film, but the simple fact of saying grace before Thanksgiving mm. of of uh, of Aunt May praying before the goblin attacks her, and then she she uh, recites a, the, a passage, fa- right? She, yeah. yeah, she's saying our Father, the yeah. the Lord's prayer. Oh, finish no. it, finish it, deliver <laughs> us from evil. Like there's there's a lot of Christianity sprinkled in throughout this, yeah. uh, a Christian funeral, mm-hmm. um, and that's that is a that is perfect for the era that this came out with the yeah. underdog and the the overcoming the 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 wealthy and the powerful because this was the perfect movie to come out after september 11th Mm. not superman yeah not any other hero if any hero was going to embrace and embody what america was going through after september 11th it was peter parker the ultimate underdog Mm. the 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 character who takes all the responsibility upon his shoulders because he has great power yeah he has some of the greatest power in the marvel universe Mm. And he pulls his punches, and he, he, he does everything he can to take all the responsibility onto himself, mm. which is portrayed really, really wonderfully in this film and is so perfect for the era it came out with. Yeah. There's, there's a wonderful series, uh, Movie Bob, who I've referenced before. He does this really great series, of, uh, Really That Good, where he discusses the social and, and pop cultural ramifications of a film and mm. why does it work so well. And his one on Spider-Man is amazing yeah um so i I recommend that to give him a a free plug (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah there's that and uncle ben himself is we'll never see a better uncle ben will we good old cliff robertson yeah that he he is uncle ben lifted straight from the comics if any i mean aunt may and uncle ben are like peeled from the comic books and brought to the screen (laughs) Um, and his, we haven't heard the great power, great responsibility since. Yes, they won't. God. <laughs> why, won't they, why won't they say it? Why won't they say it? Martin Sheen didn't say it. It's just in. It's just in the ether now. We we don't. We all know it. It's just like Superman's uh, uh, origin Justice, in Kansas yeah. and stuff like that. We don't. We don't need it. I I love. I mean, just to allude a little bit more to Homecoming, I love that they just jump right into it. Yeah, I'm yeah. not saying I am. I do yeah. not want to see Uncle Ben get killed again. Okay, <laughs> of my list of we don't needs, yeah. we have Superman's origin. Uh, don't don't need that ever no. again. Batman's parents getting killed. <laughs> we definitely don't need that ever again. Yeah. And Uncle Ben getting killed. Yeah. We don't need to see that again. Yeah. Okay, I'm not asking for that. I am yeah. so, pretty much just Peter's origin. Yeah, I'm so glad we didn't see that again with yeah. Homecoming. Mm. If I can give that thing a gold star for anything, it's that. <laughs> However, mm. I want to hear that line again. The line that the great power comes with great power comes great responsibility is yeah. everything that Spider-Man is built upon, mm. and the fact that we haven't heard it again since yeah. is irritating. <laughs> I want to hear it. I yeah. want to hear. I want to hear him say it. I I only want to hear it if it's in Spanish. 
<laughs> okay, okay. Let's see what other notes I got. Um, uh, the the sense of Spider-Man's powers, which we we mentioned earlier with the swinging and whatnot, is how do you feel about the organic web shooters? Oh, you know what? Uh, Schulze and I were chatting about this last night, and I told him I would bring it up. Um, this was a huge point of contention mm. when they did this. And Raimi made the decision that it was easier to just explain the web shooters as a development of his superpowers instead of, oh, this high school kid can develop the technology that 3M and NASA haven't figured out yet. <laughs> right? Now, I understand Peter's a genius in the comic books. But it is simpler to just accept the organic web shooters. That's true. Yeah. And... And this is this is an argument people will have. They're like, no, it needs to be the mechanicals. He needs to run out of the webs. He needs to have the variations of the webs. Yeah. Yes, I love that stuff. But I also think that the simplicity of yeah, he just has webs. Yeah. Is works as well. So I'm I'm torn. Where where do you land on this? I think for this film it works. Like I even when it first came out, I wasn't I wasn't a huge complainer about it because mm-hmm. this is a different iteration. Like I am okay with accepting. Accepting a beloved, uh, an, an interpretation of a beloved character. Right. That was, that was something that I was in an argument about with my friend about Homecoming because they were, um, they were upset that his suit in Homecoming mm-hmm. was developed by Stark and it had so many MacGuffins in it. Yeah. But I'm just like, it's a different iteration. Why we, why complain about an evolution of a character? Mm-hmm. And 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 ask for something that we've seen over and over again. You've seen. Peter's origin in the animated series, in the comics, in the movie. Why again, do you want it again? again? again yeah. So that's just the same complaint about the web shooters. It's just like it's a different iteration, it's a different interpretation. I think it's a pretty cool interpretation actually, and it makes sense. Yeah. It makes it makes way more sense <laughs> than web shooters. As much as I love the web shooters, it makes way yes. more sense. Yes, I, I do love the web shooters. There's there's something that they've they've yet to do in the sp- the, uh, the movies yeah. from the comics. He loses his web shooters once, yeah. and these kids find it, mm. and they're trying to activate them, yeah. and they they can't press the button. Mm. Because they don't have the strength. Yeah. And they're trying to... So eventually, they take a sledgehammer to it, and they hit it with all their might, and it explodes all over the room. <laughs> like, web just goes everywhere. Yeah. And I love that, because that shows you how strong his fingers are. Yeah. It takes that much force mm-hmm. for him to just press his web shooters. Yeah. So I really like that. That's something I'd love to see happen with the web shooters. Okay. However... You know, I've said however a lot. That's my, like, magic word of the day. <laughs> His transition word. Okay. I'm, I'm going to not say however the you rest of You should go, this. therefore. Therefore. <laughs> there, look, his web shooters are the least concerned for me. Yeah. And, and I understand that it shows how smart he is. It mm. shows how much ingenuity he has. It shows that he is a brilliant-minded individual. Yeah. Okay, cool. I. Okay, there's other ways to show that. Mm. There's other ways we can portray that. And... I do see Raimi's argument that, mm-hmm. okay, if this kid could do this, why is he poor? Yeah. Why? It's it's a, a leap of faith. It's mm-hmm. a suspension of disbelief. It's like with Dr. Octopus's, oh, I can create a star. Yeah, before we get to that, let's talk about that thing you got attached to your back that would be amazing for people who are paraplegics. <laughs> let's talk about that. We don't care about the star. Yeah. You're telling me you've developed a technology mm-hmm. that gives people limbs? Yeah. Let's sell that. <laughs> right? It's the suspension of disbelief. Yeah. And if you could, if if he could develop the web shooters, then what's to stop him from developing more? I like his intelligence being 
portrayed through oh yeah i understand understand this part of technology and your physics and your engineering and and that feels more realistic mm-hmm. and works for this film. Yeah. In the web movies, in the the Andrew Garfield movies, his dad created the fluid. Yeah. And he and Peter created the shooters. Man, that guy is just such a little shit. <laughs> <laughs> just like everything I got, and I hear to these spider powers, yeah. this tech and stuff like that. I got no worries in the world. And I like that Peter develops web fluid 3.0 because yeah. he's the third iteration of Spider-Man <laughs> in Homecoming, which yeah. is great. So he's developing his own web fluid and yeah. he has to pop the cartridges and that's that's cool. Yeah. He still gets a million different idea- things to do with those web shooters thanks yeah. to Tony Stark. So it's like so everyone's going to win, everyone's going to lose, whatever yeah. type of fan you are. As far as this movie's concerned, mm. I am all for organic web shooters. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, here's my argument for those who complain about superficial stuff like freaking web shooters. <laughs> <laughs> is the true core and essence of the character there? Yes. Like, yeah. at the end of the day, is Superman compassionate? At the end of the day, is Batman fierce and cunning? At the end of the day, is Peter humble? <laughs> is he? I mean, that's his character. Like yeah. you said, like you've yeah. alluded to the blue-collar uh, background, to his kind of, like, dopey, like oblivious sensibilities it, you know he's the most down-earth superhero character mm-hmm. it's funny that we i always forget he's a superhero and i was i always forget how much i love peter because just seeing even in homecoming i was just so not only riveted by how amazing the film was spoiler alert <laughs> but incredibly touched because peter is me like it's not just the awkwardness. It's just not the whole trying to figure out how to what's my life after high school or anything mm-hmm. like that. It's just existing in high school in general. That's Peter. That's all of us in high school. And that's why he's just so beloved. And at the end of the day, whether or not I complain about uh, you know, Raimi's choices for his this character or mm-hmm. McGuire's performance, I, I still think the essence of Peter is in this movie. Yes. And that's what matters. Not organic web shooters, not Tony Stark's uh, uh, suit and whatnot. Like, is Peter there? Is him as a human being there? Yes. So. And and taking Maguire and Garfield and Holland and lining them up against each other, all we what we can clearly see is just how bad those Garfield movies are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This this two two last points of conversation I want to have just yeah. specifically about this movie. Okay. And first of all, the biggest groan in this movie is Macy Gray. <laughs> Like that moment. Oh of my god! I even rewatching it, I forgot about that. <laughs> that moment is so dumb, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Macy Gray. <laughs> Clearly, we have great Macy Gray impressions. <laughs> uh, yeah, that that, that that was worth mentioning. You know, it's funny because I love I love Spider Man Two soundtrack. Like mm-hmm. Dashboard Confessional, Vindicated is my jam. I still listen to that to this. They day. wrote it for the movie. Yes, they wrote it after which, seeing the movie. That which is so cool. Yeah, which is so cool. But I will say, Nickelback, man, <laughs> I forgot Nickelback was on this. Yeah. Uh, so Jeff and Schulze did yeah. the Rewatchman React, our mm-hmm. spinoff section of the show, where they go see a movie and they talk about it before they go. Yeah. And then they react to it after. Mm-hmm. I put. I put Chad Kroger's hero in the middle. <laughs> they, neither of them commented on it, too. Yeah. I wanted one of them to be like, how dare you? And <laughs> a hell save uh, off. As great as Danny Elfman's score is, that Chad Kroger song really... I When I was like brought it up to find it, Candace yeah. was like, why? <laughs> I mean, it's the greatest soundtrack of all time. <laughs> yeah, my, my girlfriend in college loved that song. Oh, my Actually, God. It, there's a little side story here. When I went to see Spider-Man, I went to see it with my girlfriend at the time, and the after the wrestling scene where he gets the hundred bucks, 
and the guy screws him out of the three thousand dollars and he's like i need that money i need it mm. oh i forgot the tell me the part where that's my problem yeah. and then the guy gets robbed and he's coming but guy's racing to the now i know what's gonna happen and obviously i've read so many comic books i know spider-man's origin i, I knew what was gonna happen she didn't and when toby looks at the guy and goes lets him go by and then you could have taken that guy out with one punch forgot the part where that was my problem yeah my girlfriend next to me goes ha yeah <laughs> like she was like "Ooh, sick burn <laughs> and the next scene is uncle ben getting killed yeah like she was so affected by that it was wonderful to experience that moment with fresh eyes yeah. through her that she was like oh, no and yeah. then when it's revealed that the guy who killed uncle ben was the one that peter could have stopped mm-hmm. she was Oh my god! Like yeah. it hit her heart, and I loved it. Yeah, I loved that. I love your pain. <laughs> well, it's just it just shows how well that moment is realized. Yes, and it's realized to practically perfection. Oh yeah! Oh man, you bring a really you bring up a really good point, TC. Just to piggyback off that. Yeah. One thing I've been complaining about superhero movies for the last five years, like the lack of repercussions for violence or acts of violence yeah. or acts of negligence that leads to violence. That very moment changed his life forever. Yeah, it's and no longer about the girl after that. Yes, absolutely. And it was through an act of violence. And I just feel, you know, as much as I love Wonder Woman and everything like that, she's just casually murdering guys <laughs> left and right. She's and a soldier, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> but I just... That's what makes these movies real. That it kind of you mm. know brings it down from the fantasy aspect of what a superhero movie is supposed to be, and then you come to realize, oh, these are human beings at the core, and so what they do has consequences, like yeah. killing another person. And, and so, and he he doesn't kill him because yes. the guy trips over the pipe and falls out the window. Yes. Mm. But he he is suffering the consequences of his indecision, of his inaction, his inaction, the choices he made, um, seeing being there when uncle ben was dying but yeah. also even though he didn't kill a guy he watched him die yeah. which i'm sure has to affect him somehow yeah yeah <laughs> you're gonna carry he you carry that with you and yeah. that that is the very essence of peter parker right mm-hmm. there that great power and great responsibility put and shoved into his face yeah that he didn't take the responsibility of his power in that moment changed his life and mm-hmm. in in the comics there is those the the moment of that uh death scene of uncle ben the accidentally killing Gwen um, those key pivotal moments in his lifetime as a character yeah. written by the right people have been some of the most effective comic book stories ever told yeah. um, and that the act of violence and how powerful that is the how it's filmed how the, it's scored how it's it's acted everything mm-hmm. works there to go to the finale of this film yeah. and that final throwdown fight between him Ooh. and the goblin is one of the best superhero fight scenes of all time. Yeah, it's better than the train. I know people love Spider-Man too, and the train I, I put scene. Put it up there. They're, they're neck and neck. The, yeah, I, I'm not saying the train sequence isn't isn't amazing. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is an incredible sequence. Mm. But the gravity of that final fight between yeah. Spider-Man and Green Goblin. No music. No it's music. just sound effects, and their performance, and the brutality of yeah. that beatdown. We haven't seen a beatdown like that. Like even you look at Batman v Superman, you call that a, a throwdown beatdown. Yeah. It's freaking Superman. He's fine, okay? <laughs> oh, my lips bleeding. Shut up. Oh, my, my broke my my face mask on the Batman. No, um, the 
the throwdown fight like that, mm. we have not seen a lot of those yeah. in the course of 15 years of film, like a of superhero s- films. A scary fight where you don't know if the hero is going to emerge victorious. Yeah. His the these the groans and grunts and squeals that Peter's getting when he's just getting hammered yeah. by Goblin, and then when he. It, it, it does go back to it's all about a girl where he's like, now nah, I'm going to kill her. Yeah. Nice and slow. And he's <laughs> like, hell no. And he comes back and beats the hell out of the <laughs> goblin. He does it with his webs. Mm. He does, And then he punches the shit out of him. And that fight is just so visceral. Yeah. And it's... Animalistic. Yeah. It's it's such yeah. a, 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 an amazing finale where the, the peak of... Spider-Man 2, there's the great fight where Dr. Octopus kidnapped, the bank fight that leads to the rooftop, mm. uh, which Joe McHale is the bank guy in that scene, by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, that's right. But And the train sequence is pretty damn incredible. Yeah. Like, it's a very exciting moment, mm. but it doesn't carry the weight that exactly. that final fight yeah. of the first movie You're carries. totally right. I, I think it's because... We were so invested in Norman's character. Not to say Doc Ock's arc wasn't really well crafted too. Mm-hmm. I just think that's that's just a testament to Willem Dafoe's performance. Yeah, because that he was like the one B character. Like Peter was one A and he's one B. Like yeah. this was his movie just as well. Yeah, and it, so it wasn't me, Peter. It was him. Don't yeah. let him take me back. Yeah, like, exactly. It's, 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 it's he's he's nuts. Yeah. He's nuts, but he's sympathetic. And I think the decision to kill Gabby. It makes sense for the movie, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of weight to it when it happens, and it's very shocking when you see it happen. Yeah. I still am a little disappointed that they killed it. Because, like, that's a complaint for me with the early, like, predated. Every movie. superhero movie, kill yeah, the villain. Kills kill the, the villain. villain. <laughs> also, they could have set him up for the trilogy. I thought it would have been interesting if he later became Goblin. Yeah. Like, like how superhero movies do it now. But that's just through a modern lens. Mm-hmm. With that being said, everything that they... The, the fight, the death, the woman performs performance... It was, it was perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. Now, Spider-Man Two, and I, we don't have to go on to on on it too much. Yeah, the pace is not as good. Hmm. The, it's filmed better. Like I said before, it looks m- more like a modern movie. Yeah. The dark, the blacks are darker, hmm. and the the color palette feels better. And I don't know if it, if they still filmed it on film, which I I would bet they did yeah. because it was two thousand four. Yeah. It. It has a cleaner look to it, but style um, tonally, mm. it's a little clunkier. The relationship between Mary Jane and how it's explored, she comes off for the worse. Yeah. Doctor Octopus is just not as compelling as a villain mm. as Norman. Yeah. There are some really neat moments in Spider-Man Two, mm. and from the train sequence to the end that's where the movie is at its best yes because the urgency the agency is there mm-hmm. the urgency is there it, it has all the stakes have been laid out over the course of, of almost two hours that once it finally hits that train and you power through to the end mm-hmm. even the revelation of Peter's identity to Mary Jane mm-hmm. the acting the 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 filmmaking of it, it all works it's all wonderfully and it has one of the best cliffhangers ever when Harry throws the gl- the glass to the mirror yeah. and finds the goblin outfit. Mm-hmm. He's he's drawn by Willem Dafoe's yeah. ghost mm-hmm. into the and you see the mask and the new glider and all the pumpkin bombs. It's like I got to come back for Spider-Man 3. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it is one of the best cliffhangers ever. Yeah. Man, you know what? Just playing just playing a rewriteman here. I felt as though 
they could have did a Batman Begins to TDKR link where it was the lineage that took over the mantle mm-hmm. and seeking revenge on our hero. Yeah. That's what Spider-Man 3 should have solely been about, like Harry versus Peter, because their arc has been shared, has been running parallel throughout all three movies, but Harry was completely just a side character yeah. in the third it's, one. It's such a it's such a mess, that third movie, and, yeah. and to be a rewriteman, if you will, uh, I, I do feel that the final showdown could have and probably should have been between Harry and Peter. Yeah. But it's not something I normally ask for. Mm. A Spider-Man 3 with multiple villains could have worked. Yes. If it was Harry throwing everything at mm. Peter and just taking him down. He was the orchestrator. Yeah. And and, and then having the final confrontation. Yes. I should send you this. There's a really great essay on uh, Batman Begins. Yeah. On how four act structures are necessary for the modern day superhero film hmm, because okay. there's just so many characters that how are you going to squeeze them in just a two hour or an hour and a half film yeah yeah just, that's why it makes so much sense with the the whole like um the the epilogue with dark knight and Her- and harvey mm-hmm. like like obviously the joker is the featured villain but the true backbone the emotional arc is harvey dent yeah and the white knight dark knight element of the story and so that's why i thought yeah no you're right him being kind of like that Bane character and using the Nightfall arc, if you will, and having Harry throwing every single yeah. villain. You could get Easter egg villains, too. Yeah, like. set up in, in my fantasy world where we got to make Spider-Man 2. <laughs> you, It'll come true soon. It's, it, you, <laughs> you establish that, that Spider-Man is the hero of all heroes, that mm-hmm. he is kicking ass left and right, yeah. and establish that there's been a run of costume villains, which you could have that question of, like, is... J. J. Jones James would be the one to say it. They're coming around because Spider Man. Yeah. If Spider Man wasn't here, we wouldn't have these. So you have some references, newspaper articles that show Rhino mm. and and Scorpion, Mysterio. Are, right? right? Yeah. But then you actually have him fight a series of villains yeah. because it, it, that could have been the Sinister Six movie. Yeah. That you have him go up against villain after villain after villain, and with no time to rest, mm. beat the hell out of Spider Man, yeah. so that when it comes down to the end it's harry's re- reveal and yeah. surely the audience could know this but to, to have that revelation to peter of of harry being like it was me the yeah. whole time this was always about you and me mm. and now it's gonna be now we do this yeah. and you do the nightfall you just do nightfall why yeah. not <laughs> why not how shocking would it have been yeah i mean you, you see it coming but emotionally that's the gut punch we needed from spider-man 3 because mm-hmm. we don't have any emotional investment in eddie brock yeah. like the moment no, that he came no, up no. Like, the moment he comes on screen, he's just so lame. It's just like, who is this guy? I liked the reference to him in Spider-Man 1. Yeah. Where's a picture of Spider-Man? Eddie's been trying for a week. He can't get one. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Great Easter egg. <laughs> that was great. But there was nothing leading up to that and to why he... I mean, I guess it made sense because Peter bullied him or whatever, but it's just not a strong enough motivation. No, it is not. And, 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 and like... I felt as though they were trying to make Marco the main villain, but not really. So it's just like, where where were you going with this in terms of like direction? Sandman yeah. as the sympathetic villain. It's yeah. just it's a mess of a movie. Yeah. Um, Spider Man Two has a little, uh, like they set up uh, John Jameson to be he's Man Wolf in the comics, but he could just as easily have been Venom. Oh, Man <laughs> Wolf, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, but uh, Spider Man Two has some fun little Easter egg eggs when. Um, Jonah's like, ah, a guy with eight, eight limbs, what are we going to call him? And then Hoffman leans in and goes, what about Dr. Octopus? Ah, it's terrible. How about Dr. Strange? That's brilliant. Yeah, but it's taken. How about Dr. Octopus? But <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a great little reference there to yeah. the existence of Dr. Strange. Mm. And Aunt May has her little over-the-top 
ham-fisted speech about hero hero heroes to Peter yeah. before he comes back and she says there's not enough heroes out there like Spider-Man mm. with an implication that there are other Marvel heroes out there yeah. that, and that just that little reference was enough. Yes. It didn't have to be this all-encompassing cinematic universe where you get this and this and this. I think you're way better than Thor, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> but to to have that little little reference there um, it was nice. I, one complaint about Rosemary Harris and Cliff Robertson, as much as I love them as Uncle Ben and right, Mary, yeah. I felt as though every time they delivered a line, it was like some proverb. It was like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little too theater. Yes, exa- yeah. exactly. Every, it, even when they, you know what's weird? I don't know if you saw it as, because you have a lot of theater experience as mm-hmm. well as a director, but just watching the blocking of like the initial scene where they introduced Aunt May and Uncle Peter, it just felt like I was watching a stage play. Yes, one hundred percent. Their their introduction is it's very well realized in yeah. terms of the fact that they're like, exactly, death of a salesman. It's exactly <laughs> exactly how they had always been portrayed in the comics. Yeah, it feels very old school acting. It's weird. I maybe it's just because I'm watching it through a filmmaker's lens, but mm-hmm. it took me out of it. Just watching it visually, just visually, mm-hmm. like I'm just like, whoa, this just shifted in a weird way where <laughs> I wasn't expecting at all. It's too th- theatery. Yeah. Uh, they're still great, but Rosemary Harris in particular comes off a little too old school Hollywood. Yeah, mm, you know, that's not evil. <laughs> <laughs> it's the camp. It's yeah, the camp. That's true. So, um, <laughs> let's. Uh, oh, one last thing is the fact that Norman Osborn was developing a super soldier serum. That's what Goblin is. Yeah, in the movie. yeah. He's, he's developing a serum for the the. Department of Defense mm. to make super soldiers. Yep. They don't say super soldiers, but that's what it is. Mm. And Captain and, America. Yeah. And that's that's a that's the as far as I'm sure as concerned, that's head canon. He they were making super serum. Yeah. And uh the ultimate comics used a lot of what we've seen in the Marvel movies, all of them, <laughs> from Spider Man on, Iron Man, Thor, all of them, have been drawn they pay a lot of mad respect to the origins, mm. like the sixties Stan Lee stuff. But they draw most heavily from the Ultimate Universe. Yes. And in the Ultimate Universe, Norman was trying to develop the Super Soldier Serum. Mm. In Ultimate Spider-Man, that first run, Otto Octavius is the doctor working on the serum in the lab. That When it blows up and gives Norman his ability, it fuses the arms to his body. Mm. And we don't see Otto for another story arc. Yeah. But it all begins to unfold right in that lab, mm-hmm. uh, which the first script for Spider-Man 1 was going to do. Oh. <laughs> was going to have... Octopus and Norman Damn. as the villains, which I'm really glad they did. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. There you go. I'd, overall, see, I don't know if I should if I should ask you to rank it now. So I'll just ask you: Do you think people should still watch this movie? Is this the classic that a lot of people call this? That, that a lot of people call it? Yeah. Is this movie still worth watching? What do you think? Just all-encompassing answer. Yes, it's worth watching. Only because I'd say it's required viewing if you're interested in seeing how the evolution of the superhero movie came to be. Because yeah. this is the pioneer of superhero films, like you alluded to earlier. Yes, X-Men, you had X-Men Blade, yeah, and Blade, yeah, yeah. And, Mar- and, and Spider-Man and the Burton Batmans. All of those are required viewing, viewing, even though stuff like Batman Returns does not hold up. <laughs> <laughs> um, that being said, I personally did not enjoy it this, this time around, um, watching it again. Then again, I've just seen so many of these movies that mm-hmm. I know what to expect and what I expect as a viewer. Mm-hmm. But I would say yes, watch it if, just for educational purposes. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure, just like you though, you 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 took away things 
that you that you still enjoy it about yes, the film. So yeah. I think that it's just personal preference. But I feel like other people out there can still watch it and say, "Hey, this was a great movie." I still rank it top three Spider-Man movies. I. I... I think this is essential viewing. Yeah. I do see that it is dating itself a little bit, that yeah. you might have a hard time getting a teenager to, to enjoy it now. Unless they're a hardcore Spider-Man. Yeah. This movie doesn't have the blockbuster appeal mm. that we get now, but that's just the evolution of cinema. Yeah. But I think this is, is definitely one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Watching it this time, I watched it from a screenwriter's perspective and a director's perspective. And there was so much more in it that I appreciated that I didn't in all the times I've watched it before. Yeah. That like, I really, really appreciate Sam Raimi's direction. Mm. He's clearly a fan. He clearly is a director who knows what he wants and how to achieve it. His style, his tone, his... Yeah, it, it's it's a great film to dissect from a technical standpoint. It's It does suffer what so many superhero movies suffer from, which is the acting. That yeah. Not to say that the performances are bad... But there's something lacking in the characters. They, yes. They're archetypes. Archetypes are great. Archetypes yeah. are essential. Mm-hmm. But to truly have standout performances, yeah. you need someone who embodies the character beyond what's on the page. Robert yes. Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Mm-hmm. Christopher Reeve is Superman. Yeah. That they that they embody something beyond what's on the page yeah. and and become the character. The, the prototype of the character. Exactly, you hit it. You hit the nail right on the head, TC. Because I, that's that was my problem with the entire film. They were all stock characters. Not all. Not all. I, I still. Aside from Gabi, you, you can you yeah. can agree. You yeah. can say that. But I'll yeah. disagree and say that there was an embodiment happening to a degree. Yeah. Willem Dafoe is the standout in this. Yes. Uncle Ben Cliff Robertson is a standout in this yes. and imbi- truly embodying the character. But Defoe leaps and bounds above everybody else. He was he was the best one in the film. Yeah, yes. I I thoroughly enjoy Willem Defoe. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a creep. It's he, always a surprise to me when he plays a good guy. I know, right? <laughs> he's that face. He's born to play a villain. <laughs> but yeah. but you're right. There. The thing about archetypal characters is I I was watching another panel yesterday saying. The, the panel where, Ben? Uh, the panel at the uh, Asian American Comic Con. Oh, okay. Just, <laughs> just checking. Just checking. <laughs> They're they're talking about archetypal characters are necessary so we can use them as an outline to further fill out uh, experiences and nuances from our own lives, and then that's how they become fully fleshed characters. Yeah, I felt as though a lot of these characters, even Peter to an extent, for me, they never got past that script phase. They kind of just did as is on the page, as you will, as you were alluding to, mm-hmm. and so. I think that's that's what was missing for me. I didn't get that full immersive experience to where I was like, okay, I am this character now, or at least I'm seeing it through their lens. They were kind of being dragged around like like as if Raimi was puppeteering everything, and you could see the strings, if that makes any sense. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, that they were, they were tools to his vision. Yes. As opposed to actors who rise above and bring something deeper, like Heath, Heath as the Joker, yes, clearly exactly. someone who, and, and, and Aaron Eckhart. I gotta give Aaron Eckhart yeah, and Aaron Eckhart. Yeah. Uh, so underrated, <laughs> but some people can get away with that. Nolan, like you just alluded to, he can get away with that. Mm-hmm. I just felt as though that's what was really distracting me and kind of took me out of this film, at least from an emotional context, at least from um, something giving me something more intellectual and emotional. Yeah, yeah. 
The Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus is... Man boobs. Is, <laughs> boobs. He's built like a 50s boxer. <laughs> Molina, Molina really embraced that performance yeah. as well. Like yes. I thought he, he did... Molina's Dr. Octopus is also one of the best villains in the in the, all the Marvel movies. Yes. I won't say he's one of the best. Hmm. He's up there because up 20. He, he's more developed than yeah. uh, pretty much all the MCU villains we've yeah. gotten since. You think uh, Raimi's just more infatuated with villains? No. Nah, well, he, he knows that a movie can be made or broken by the villain. Mm. Look at Spider-Man 3. Yeah. That movie is broken by its villains. <laughs> uh, look at uh, a villain like Zemo in Civil War. He oh, he he legitimate legitimizes the heroics in that film. Mm. Uh, you look at um, Robert Redford's um, Pierce in If I Go to Winter Soldier. Yeah, um, the the villain is crucial into into legitimate legitimizing a hero. Uh, Jack Nicholson's Joker. Mm. If you want to go there, Heath's Joker. It, the villain makes or breaks a movie. Yeah, Venom and Harry and Sandman. Come on, was there a fourth one? Like a non, like an inconsequential villain. No, no I can't. I can't. To, okay, and, no, and yeah. the Amazing Spider-Man movies, where you have Lizard in the first one and Electro <laughs> in the second one, yeah. it's it's not enough. It's not enough. It's 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 just barely scratching the surface. That and hell, so those, boring. Every Spider-Man since the first one yeah. and the second one has been trying to do what the first and the second one did. Yes, and not all of them are achieving on all levels. Mm. Some of them are some. Some of them are finding ways to achieve, but in the grand scheme of things, because that first one, it's like Superman, Donner Superman. Every Superman sense has that as the prototype, yes. and so every Superman sense has been trying to do that mm-hmm. instead of trying to find its own voice yeah. and trying to find its own way. The freaking Amazing Spider-Man movies retreaded everything mm-hmm. that the the Raimi Spider-Man movies did. Yeah. Hell, the conversation between Peter and Mary Jane after her play is filmed on the same backlot set <laughs> that Mary, uh, that Gwen and Peter's breakup is in the second Amazing Spider-Man. Yeah. Ah, I'm so like fired up right now. <laughs> you know, this, <clears throat> this is why the business of filmmaking can be so disheartening sometimes because mm-hmm. Things like rights to a character, they expire after a certain amount of years. So some folks just think, if I make a movie, then I'll keep the rights and so on and so forth. Which is like such a, I mean, you understand because business is business. But then secondly, as just a viewer, as a filmmaker who has still has kind of, you know, naivete uh, <laughs> outlook on the I, industry. I, yeah, I still see the rainbows. <laughs> yeah, me too, totally. And and to see that is, is what's so frustrating because as a fan you want to see peter be done right and and fortunately so like we can transition to it later i i feel it has come <laughs> come home <laughs> there oh man there was this other oh okay one thing i definitely want to talk about because before webb's uh, iteration of uh spider-man mm-hmm. was to be done we were gonna get a spider-man 4 yeah Raimi. i mean they had cast um, Anne Hathaway. Anne as, Hathaway as cat, uh, Black Cat. Black Cat as Felicia Hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, John Malkovich John as Vulture. Is Vulture. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I heard this through the rumor mill when it was being announced. Was she playing Black Cat or was she playing Vultress? It, it's it's tough. It's tough to know exactly. Yeah. But it, it, all point all signs point to the fact that she was Felicia Hardy. Okay. Here's here's something that happens. So dumb. Here's, <laughs> yeah. Oh God. Here's some stuff that happens again and again. It is clear when a studio executive way up the chain mm. is married to an idea yeah vultures next okay vultures next yeah 
we got to Vulture. We got Vulture. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't just coincidence. Yeah. Someone pushed Vulture on mm. the on the top. Yeah. Uh, it's like the polar bears in in a Superman movie. John Peters was like, "Oh, polar bears! He should have polar bears in his." We got a polar bear in Man of Steel. <laughs> like, uh, and um, uh, Black Cat, mm. Felicia. Set her up for Spider-Man 4. We got her in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. She's, it's um, uh, Rogue One. What's her name? It's, uh, uh, damn it. Felicia? No. Felicity? Felicity. Uh, Felicity. Jones? No. Wait, Everyone's yelling it's at us. On the, it's on <laughs> <laughs> It is Felicity Jones, right? Sure. Okay, Felicity Jones. <laughs> There's no way to that. know. But There's it's no like some, some, some executive is like, we have to have Black Cat. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Don't forget to, hey, when we're working on the new, don't forget to put Black Cat in there. We really like that idea when yeah. Raimi was going to do it. It happens all the time. Yeah. And like, that's annoying. Like, come up with something new, damn it. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's weird, right? Because Scarecrow... There's this long lost Batman project called Batman Triumphant. Oh my God! Where, where all the villains were gonna come back. All the villains would come back through hallucination because yeah. Scarecrow was the main villain. He got fear toxin onto uh, uh, to Bruce. He exposed some fear toxin yeah. to Bruce, and he saw. And then uh, Jack Nicholson actually comes back mm-hmm. as the Joker, and Madonna plays Harley Quinn, who is the daughter of the Joker. Yeah, <laughs> it's so ridiculous, yeah. but it's just so weird, right? Yeah, I, I don't get that, but <laughs> it's just some yeah. executive, some executive way up there. Yeah. It's like, hey. Uh, I, my two cents. Don't forget the idea we had ten years ago. That needs to go in there. <laughs> you know what? I I'm a fan of executives. I it's just you're I'm, a fan of them. I I am. Okay. I am. At least <laughs> the the idea of them because a lot of these films, all of these films, like all the Marvel films, they're made by committee. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're screened over and over again. There's multiple cuts, and it's in a room full of people who who give notes. Yeah. And like obviously, that can be very problematic when they don't know what they're doing. But <laughs> if you get folks who do know what they're doing. Like it's, Kevin it's, Feige. It's, yeah, Kevin Feige. Feige, Feige, yeah. Feige, Jeff Johns, all those folks to kind of lead a team. Greg like Berlanti. That. Greg Berlanti. Uh, then yeah. then when you, you get magic. Yes, yes. And a lot, of, a lot of these execs, at least from the the bios I've been reading, they, they, they have a film school background. You know, I mean, they have they're in production. It's when the suit, yeah. the the money counting, like the bean counting suits, are the ones making the decisions. Yeah. Where it's like you don't know art, man. Yeah. You don't know storytelling. Let us tell our story. That's when it gets bad. That's when it gets annoying. That's when you get Amazing Spider Man. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. But let me just wrap up. Yeah. The Raimi Spider Mans real quick. I have a couple other notes I want to just rapid fire at you. Um, again, I will say there's so much in Amazing Spider Man that they just retreaded. The will they or won't they of yeah. Gwen and Peter. It's just Amazing Spider-Man 2, or is Spider-Man 2 all over again. Yeah. Right down to filming in the same locations. Come wow. on. Come on, guys. Right? Uh, the raindrops keep falling on my head montage in mm. Spider-Man 2 is really dumb. <laughs> I get the idea of showing Peter doing his thing, and you probably could have used that song, but by making it a musical montage with freeze frames out of focus. Yeah. What? what? What is that? Someone was watching too much Mary Tyler Moore. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's, that's such a weird moment. Yeah. But the last thing I will say about Spider-Man 2 is it is a beautifully realized version of adult Peter Mm -hmm. and just how freaking impossible it would be to juggle a superhero life. Yes. That Spider-Man 2, what it thrives most at is that, is Peter's struggle to live a normal life and to not want the responsibility anymore. And that's, that's why Spider-Man 2 is so good. I still think Spider-Man One is the better film of the two. Hmm. Controversial. Yeah, I I need to go rewatch it. Yeah, re- yeah, rewatch it. We can chat about it off mic yeah. uh, further. But 
Uh, I'm interested to hear, hear what people have to, who might be listening to this have to say. When's the last time you watched it? Always bear that in mind. Memories can lie. Memories lie. Nostalgia can affect your decision. If you have Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, pop it in. Rewatch it. Give it a, give it a second glance. Look at it from a new perspective. Compare it to the new stuff. Mm. And see where you land on it. And if you, you do come up to opinion, you can tweet at me at TC's Big Head. Or if you want to throw some ideas at Ben, at Benji Toes, uh, Twitter and Instagram. Or you can find us on uh, Facebook at Redacted Media, where you can comment on here. Or if you just happen to be listening to this at ghosthat.net, we're everywhere, Ben. We're, we're taking over. It's go- <laughs> Rewatchman's going global. Yeah. Do you so, have re- recommendations, by the way? Uh, to go hand-in-hand hand with this? Yeah. Yeah, uh, X-Men. Watch X-Men? the first X-Men. It yeah. comes out of the same era. Um, watch the Donner, uh, Donner Superman and the Burton Batman. Yes. Those are those are prototype films. They are epitomes of superhero films of their era. Yeah. And to this day, all those movies have affected the superhero movies we're getting now. Yes. There's If, if there's one other movie in the superhero genre that is, is as important to how superhero films are done as Superman, Spider-Man, Batman, and X-Men, it's Iron Man. Yes. The, the very tone of the MCU was built upon Robert Downey Jr.'s shoulders with John Favreau's direction. Mm. So th- those films, do you have any recommendations to go with this? I got a very specific one. Okay. Drag Me to Hell. The Raimi Drag Me to Hell? Yes. Okay. If you want to see Sam Raimi not only going just full bananas, <laughs> but I think, I mean, this is this is like obviously a lot of Evil Dead fans are going to be like, what? <laughs> we saw that movie together. That's right. Yes. We were yes. laughing our asses off. <laughs> it was great. It was a great experience. I just feel that is his best directed film. I wish that movie would have ended with Ash showing up. But yeah, Drag, Drag Me to Hell is a great, it's horror and it's hilarious yes. and it's terrifying and it's funny as hell. <laughs> it's all the great elements of Spider-Man put into one without Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> all right, there you go. Uh, hit us up in the comments or send us some personal messages. We're going to take a break here and we're going to come back and we're going to dive into Spider-Man Homecoming, which is I know which I know is what everyone really wanted to hear us talk about. <laughs> so you got an hour of Spider-Man, Raimi, Spider-Man. Get, a, get to the no one already, TC. <laughs> so we'll take a quick break here. Uh, I'll throw a song here that isn't Chad Kroger's hero. <laughs> And we'll be right back. We've returned. We've 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 come back. We've come back as though we've have had some sort of. No, I'm not going to. Rewatchman, rewatchman. Spider-Man: Homecoming, 2017. Woo! In 15 years, Ben, we've gotten five Spider-Man movies, six yeah. Spider-Man movies, six that's, Spider-Man that's movies. That's incredible for how long fans had to wait since the comic books. You had to wait to 40 years, and now you've had enough. Please. <laughs> now, now we get one every year. <laughs> yeah, six Spider-Man movies with a very grand cameo in Civil War. Yeah. So 
There you go. You've, there'll never be a lack of Spider-Man. No one could ever say there's not enough Spider-Man. There's not enough Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, you've done an incredible job of withholding yourself from seeing who Spider-Man was when he was announced. I, yes, magically, yeah. I did not find out who spider Somehow, yeah. I avoided finding out who In Tom- the age of the internet. Yeah, I managed to avoid the existence of Tom Holland until Civil War. I demand to know which chrome block he used. <laughs> <laughs> somehow. So, I don't know how I'm going to survive the next 10 months before Infinity War because there's going to be so much. I mean, Marvel's been really good about not ruining their films yeah. by their trailers. Sony, on the other hand. <laughs> 38 minutes of footage released for Spider-Man Homecoming before yeah. the movie came out. 38 minutes of a less than two hour movie. Which which was odd because going into the movie I thought I've seen the whole movie already. Yeah. yeah. But seeing the movie I was like, okay, okay. Then you know what? Not bad. I they still withhold all the big moments. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the where to begin here. Okay, um Let's begin at the beginning. So let's talk about nineteen sixty three. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> um so I don't think you and I have gone super in debt about what we thought about Tom Holland yet. We we thought he was really great in Civil, Civil War. War, yeah. I personally thought you could tell they wrote him in quickly because yes. they found out they had the rights back. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Um, He's very shoehorned, shoe-horned. into it, uh, but, but to great effect. But to great effect. Mm-hmm. But now seeing him fully fleshed and in his own movie, doing his own thing, I really like Tom Holland. This, as Peter Parker, as Spider-Man. We oh. were just talking about Toby's a great Peter, Andrew's a great Spider-Man. I think Tom is great at both. He, We finally have someone who is both sides of the coin. Yeah. He is he is Peter Parker as Spider-Man. He is the best incarnation of the, of that mm. aspect of the character that he has embodied both halves of Peter and uh and Spider-Man into one character. Yeah. And a lot of Miles because they lifted everything about Miles <laughs> except his uncle and gave it to Peter. That's so for you fans of Miles Morales out yeah. there, I hope you enjoy your movie because uh, the tech school, like yeah. the, the the smart kid school, mm-hmm. the best bud who finds out his origin exactly the same way. His uh, who's oh. what's his friend's name in the movie? Ned. Ned is exactly like Ganky Lee in yep. uh, Miles Morales. Miles is Spider-Man. Ultimate Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, before we go any further, if it's not clear, spoiler, spoiler, spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie yet, please stop listening. We are not going to hold Everyone back. Everyone dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the fact that uh, the love interest connected to the villain like it's all there everything from miles's story yeah except him being half puerto rican and half black possibly yeah. gay mm. is <laughs> is is put put to screen but it works in such great effect for the film mm-hmm. which makes me even more upset that if we had if this is how we introduce miles people would have totally accepted miles as spider-man right off the get yeah which which comes to th- which makes me think like if they introduce him now so late and with so many elements of his arc drawn for Peter mm-hmm. lifted for Peter, what's left to to tell with Miles? On now? on the upside because yeah. they just did the reshuffle of the six one six to the new Marvel universe, mm. the new Marvel U gave, tweaked Miles' origin so that now Peter is his mentor. Okay, and they're certainly going to use that for whenever Miles is introduced but into this movie. he's still so young. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. T- Tom Holland can make movies for five, six, seven, ten years before yeah. you ever introduce Miles. Mm. Sorry, folks. So are you thinking Miles will exist in the Sony Spider-Verse, but not so much in the MCU-verse? Well, it depends what they continue to do in terms of their contract deal yeah. between Sony's Spider-Man and Marvel Cinematic Universe as a whole. Mm. Miles, 
Miles exists in the MCU. Yeah. Because Spider-Man Homecoming is a part of the MCU. Yep. So whatever. And, un- and Uncle Aaron was in it. Yes. <laughs> Played by uh, um, the Childish Gambino. Uh, <laughs> Donald Glover. Glover. Yeah. yeah. The Prowler. The Prowler. Uh, but so Tom Holland, as a 15-year-old kid, mm-hmm. totally bought it. He is he is a, an excited, eager, babbling Peter Parker, 15-year-old yep. high school student, through and through. And that's what I, I loved so much, because I believed him, one. And secondly, this is how teenagers are. Mm-hmm. You know, the way adults view and write teenagers is so one-sided. They're either really broody, or they're either really, like, clumsy and ditzy and, like... It's where Tobey Maguire's high school version, and that's why they rushed him out of it. Yeah. That's why I say he's a better adult Spider-Man, yeah. because he does, especially in Spider-Man 2, feel more like what the adult Spider-Man would be. Yeah. By making Tom Holland, Holland this 15-year-old sophomore in high school mm. and actually believably being a high school kid, surrounded by believable high school kids, yeah. room to grow, room to mature, mm-hmm. room to grow, to become an adult, Yes, which is a journey we have yet to take with any of the Spider-Man mm. uh, movies. Or at least take it right. Yeah. I mean, we... We always get them out of high school as fast as possible, right? Like yeah. The Amazing Spider-Man, we got them in one movie. They graduate him in the second one. Mm. Peter and Raimi, they graduated him quickly yeah. into the adult world. And there's so much more to explore with a kid mm. than we've had before. And now we've got it. We've got it. This is This is the kid, 15-year-old Spider-Man. Yeah. He, he exists now. Getting thrown into adult situations, that's what makes the appeal of Spider-Man so astonishingly great and and so magnetic because Mm -hmm. like if you're a kid and you're reading that that's that's you you know you're getting thrown into these things that you wouldn't in real life but also the dangers of it putting putting a child in peril putting a minor in peril like that like he could die in any of these situations which makes it more um thrilling to watch i suppose and and that's that's what makes this Spider-Man so great. It's not so much like I all the elements are very familiar. You get it drawn from all the other movies from the comics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But I feel like it's finally time like they're like, "Look, this is how you do a Spider-Man movie. We understand <laughs> we've seen this before, but we're going to try to do it again right this time." Which is totally fine for me. This is for <laughs> this is Spider-Man for the new generation. Yep. Do an introductory movie just like the way they did Force Awakens. You know, it's all the same familiar elements. It's safe for the old fans mm-hmm. and for the new fans. It's a great um, Spark Notes. That's not too. Uh, that's not that doesn't feel dated. Right. And the I th- I feel that there will maintain a, a, a timelessness to the Raimi's first first one in particular. Mm-hmm. The Amazing Spider-Man movies are are dating themselves so fast yeah. because he's such a prototypical millennial yeah douchebag <laughs> angsty teen right or like how we view millennials right it's, yeah, it's, it's like it's this the adults interpretation it's the it. cynic adults interpretation of what a young person is and that's the Whatever. and that's kind of the problem i had with the other other two iterations of peter they didn't feel like how i experienced high school with my peers like high school for me was only 10 years ago mm-hmm. so like seeing homecoming i the rush of emotion of just not only the awkwardness but being eager, being excited about everything. Yes. That's what I love about Peter. He's not this, like, obviously he has a tragic backstory, but I've never viewed Spider-Man like Batman. Batman, mm-hmm. his whole life is a tragedy, and yeah. he will wear that weight and let you know about it. <laughs> he wears the darkness. Peter's wearing a bright red and blue exactly. costume. He, Spider-Man, for me, is like how Superman is for you. He represents hope, hopefulness and optimism and, like, hey, 
you know, we might not, we might fail today, but there's always a tomorrow. And that's what Peter represents for me. And I feel as though that's what they got right in this iteration of the character because yeah. he's not this mopey broody like i don't know what to do with all these it's powers responsibility it's responsibility when he when he finds out i mean he, he already knows he has powers but right. the fact that he knows he has powers he's psyched about it mm-hmm. he's like i can do all this yeah let's go out and do crazy stuff mr stark what's our next adventure you yeah know? the like, the first five ten minutes of this movie where we get all the events of Civil War, yeah. from Peter's perspective through his cell phone, was <laughs> a film by Peter Parker. <laughs> so, so awesome! So, just an amazing way to jump into the yeah. into the world, and doing an origin story without retelling the origin was was great. He already has his powers, yeah. but he still gets to discover new powers in this yeah. through the suit. Yeah, his his uh, infatuation with Liz as a is, oh man, I'm a, I'm a sophomore and you're a senior. <laughs> Gosh, you're so pretty and smart. <laughs> right? And uh, his friendship with Ned, uh, the the way the other kids in the school interact with each other, the asshole of Flash Thompson, who is not the kick-your-ass bully this time. Can't. Go ahead. You, you, you bring up a great point. Let's talk about the supporting characters. Okay. I love... First of all, their archetypes, once again, like we were talking about, high school archetypes, you obviously have the nerds, you mm-hmm. have the, there's no jocks, actually, but, like, you know, the more socially acceptable-looking kids. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all very, they all have their debt to it. Just like you mentioned, Flash, he's a bully, He's a but he's just a jackass. He's not, like, this guy who's pushing Peter around. He's just, like... He's a priv- privileged rich kid. He's a, yeah, he's a rich douchebag, and yeah. and we've seen that. In he's Bullies. Andrew like, Garfield, and, and that's the kind of <laughs> and and more often than not, I don't know how your high school experience was, but I saw that kind of bullying more so than I saw like big dudes beating up other uh, littler dudes. Yeah, the yeah. the people the the actual bullies were the were just as big wieners as I was, but they were just <laughs> more willing to shove me into a locker. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's this one kid. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Wasn't there a guy? in your high school who 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 was like making accusations that you were you were gay or whatever but then he got really close to your face and you kissed him no no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> half remembered half remembered I, I remember it wrong yes so but i love that story for, you gotta tell first, story. first off i did have bullies i was bullied throughout junior high or elementary school junior high high school by flash thompson as he is in uh or flash as he is in homecoming that, so you that had type flash. of flash yeah yeah but the Flash we've seen in Amazing Spider-Man and Raimi Spider-Man, which is the big jockey, I'll punch you in the face, bullies, I was bullied by those guys, too. Yeah. When I was a sophomore, there was this senior bully who would just scream, fag at me every time he saw me, just for no reason. I, n- I didn't even know the guy's name yeah. for a time. I'm like, why is that guy picking on me all the time? <laughs> he didn't like me because of another guy didn't like me. It was a whole stupid thing. Yeah. And he called me, uh, he yelled fag at me from his car as yeah. I was walking through the parking lot. <clears throat> So I just stopped and turned, and I raised my hands to him like, what? Yeah. Go ahead, say it again. And he's like, oh, you challenged me? And he came up, <laughs> and he just like, got in my face. He's like, rah, 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 rah. oh, I'm going to kick your ass. Come on, do it again. Go on, take a swing. Take it. Like, just in my face, yeah. barking at me, barking at me. Oh, you homo, you homo. <laughs> and he was nose to nose, Strickland to Marty McFly close enough. Right? <laughs> and I, all I could think the whole time as I just stood there, listening to him just rant and rave, completely unaffected by him, just letting him do it. Was he was so close I could kiss him on the nose if I wanted to. <laughs> I just kept thinking that the whole time, like, I, should I do it? Should I just, just, just like, I wouldn't even have to lean forward. I just like you know duck lips and kiss him. I'd be dead right now. Yeah. That guy, ended up, <laughs> and that guy ended up like 
jacking up on steroids and became a UFC fighter, <laughs> he would have murdered me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he literally became a he UFC fighter. He literally became a UFC fighter. Oh, my God. <laughs> but that's that style of bully is such an old-school mentality, despite the fact that, yes, it did exist when I was in high school. Yeah. It was more realistic to have a f- bully like Flash is now, which is yeah. just a rich kid who's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> But it's funny because he's the dumbass of the team. Yeah, like he's the one who's always like, "No, Flash, you're you're wrong. The answer is Panama." <laughs> uh, but then you have Liz, who is the trophy. Yeah, Liz, she is she any more realized than Mary Jane? Kirsten Not Dunst so much. Mary Jane? I do feel like she's more likable than Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, but I think that might be the actress in yeah, that. Yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know why we have such a vendetta against Kirsten Dunst. She's fine. She's I do fine. enjoy Interview with a Vampire. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Uh, but uh, Ned, mm-hmm. Ned's a great sidekick. Great sidekick. The guy in the chair. Guy in the chair. Yeah, his his personality is so much like. That, like, tell me more. And this, yeah. I love that montage of him just asking questions and never. And then the fact that he blows. Peter, no Spider Man. <laughs> like he can't keep a secret. And yeah, uh, I love that they're both equally eager. Like, yeah, yeah. Even after Peter was, he didn't. Peter didn't fight him on like the secret identity thing. Mm-hmm. Once he found out, he's just like, okay, yeah, I'm Spider Man. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I know Captain America. I'm still a Shield. Whoa. I mean, honestly. That's exactly what you and I would do. Oh, yeah. If we had, like, superpowers, we'd be showing it off. Yeah. I, my friends growing up, like, that, we we wouldn't have been able to keep a secret like that from each other. Yeah. <laughs> no way. Um, let's see. Uh, the teacher. I loved uh, the teacher who... It's um. See, he's he's from Freaks and Geeks, so he's friends with James Franco. Believe Martin it or not, Star. yeah, yeah. I liked I liked his portrayal. I liked the other teachers as well. Like the one teacher's like on his phone. He's like, "Keep your hands off the way from the blades." Like, <laughs> <laughs> like the adults aren't idiots, yeah, but they are. They are from a kid's perspective, from the teenage perspective. Not uh, they they do fall into that trapping of kids are dumb. They don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. Ha- Happy won't listen to Peter. Tony just, Tony won't listen to Peter. Yeah. They're just apathetic. Yeah. Because when you're... Dumb kids. You know, when I was a kid, I only saw adults in two ways. They're either in my way or they're I, I look to aspire to be them. Mm-hmm. And so I think they did a really fantastic job in portraying that in here. And it, that's why it just added... It further added to the realism. I I know there's like a lot of grounded elements in the, in the Raimi uh, vision of Spider-Man. But this one, it just all and all throughout, I just felt like you... you if I just like transported to that world to Midtown High, mm-hmm. I felt like that's a real high school. Yes, yeah, it, yeah. I, I, you're right. The all the characters in this have, there's no no one's. Well, Liz is underdeveloped yeah. just because she's the prize, much like Mary Jane was. Mm. But even Happy was much bigger of a character than I expected. Yeah, uh, he even, played a pretty cool role. Yeah, I I liked all the sidekicks to Tombs to mm-hmm. Vulture. Excuse me. The the two shockers, um, his tech guy, like that was great. Those they all had personalities and they were all developed yeah. characters. You're around just shocking things. I'm the shocker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Donald Glover for his moment on on screen as yeah. Miles is, he's Miles's uncle as a little he, Easter egg. He delivered one of my favorite lines in the movie when it, when he gets webbed onto the trunk. Yeah. he's like, I got ice cream in here. Yeah, hey, <laughs> no, no, man, this is cool. I got ice cream in here. Uh, there's so many great lines delivered so well in this. Yes. Um, one one of I watched it again last night before mm-hmm. just in preparation for this because I I wanted to. So you did a true rewatch. I did a true rewatch. Yeah. I watched I I. Rewatched Homecoming after I watched the two Raimis. 
Oh, um, really? You yeah. did a triple feature? I did a triple feature. Damn. Yep. So I did, that was yesterday. You should have did all six Spider-Man movies. God, God, no, I could not have brought myself to do that. The, one of my favorite lines is when Peter gets to the elevator in the Washington Monument and Karen, the suit goes, is that Liz? You should tell her how you feel. Oh, no, no, it's on the phone. She's on the cell phone yeah. when he's racing back to the to get back to Washington mm-hmm. and Liz gets on the phone and the suit lady Karen is like, is that Liz? You should tell her how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> they had a, a really great rapport. Oh man, that was great. Someone had a, had a fan theory already Yeah, that it was Tony. As Karen. Karen was Tony using a microphone, which... I feel like that's a stretch. That, I mean, it's yeah. not because there's no revelation of that. Yeah. Although if it had been, that would have been pretty humorous. <laughs> but it wouldn't have worked towards Tony as the as an antagonist to Peter in this. Rob Downey Jr. did not take over this film. I, it was just enough Tony, which yeah. was like, thank God, because the marketing was like, it made him look like he was the co-lead. Yeah, yeah. he's he is hardly in this at all. Yeah. And in a good way. Yeah. He's in this just not Happy is in this movie more than Tony yeah. is, which is... Amazing. Tony was on vacation the entire time. Yeah, yeah. He, <laughs> when Iron Man shows up, it was just the suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which had a great payoff when he's like, if you really cared, you'd be here. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Yeah, the, um, all the relationships, all the character relationships on paper, all the performances and the relationships yeah. were, were really, really, really fantastic. Yes. Um, two, two in particular worth mentioning that we haven't yet. Well, first we'll talk about hot-ass Aunt May. A.K. Oh. Aunt May. Aunt May. <laughs> they, I, I say how to ask. Because they, oh they, God. Marissa Tomei. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe she's 50. She's 52. She's 52. Yeah. Have but, you? I, fun fact. B. Arthur, when she started the first run of Golden Girls, was 52. <laughs> <laughs> Let that sink in your wow. brain. <laughs> we live in a different era. We live in a different era. Now, the reason I say hot Aunt May is because they leaned into that. That was the joke. That was the joke that everybody, like the kid, the guy giving her free food at the restaurant. She's like, you know, oh, it looks like he loves you. <laughs> <laughs> I liked Ned being like, hey, May. And, um, uh, Tony being like, hey, May. What are you wearing? I hope skimpy. But that's objectifying her. She did a really great, she was a great performance. She did a really good job with her part. It's weird because I think Bryce and I talked about this. I think she was the one part. That bothered me. Really? Okay. I, Marissa told me it's great mm-hmm. with what she had. I just felt as though they didn't give her anything to do other than she's hot. She was the joke of the movie. You know what I mean? And so I'm okay. sure they'll set her up more because Marissa told me is such a capable actor. Yeah. Um, Aunt May, for me, in, in the Raimi-verse, in the comic books, she is that pivotal matriarch figure who Peter goes to for advice mm-hmm. and solidarity and solace. I didn't get any of that in well, this film. Le- le- let, me, yeah. let me jump off it for yeah. you because... As I said earlier, this is a kid who's going to grow into the adult that he is. Yeah. When did you really start turning to your matriarchs in your life for advice? When did you really reach out to them? That's a good point. And as he grows, their relationship will grow. Mm. I I never had any serious conversations with my my mother or my aunts or my older sister until I was older and knew I could speak to them on the same level. Yeah. And the revelation in the end with the what the fuck like, <laughs> that, <is>, so <laughs> that me that gives them the path yeah. to go down to have the serious conversations that they should have mm. to then be able to talk that this Peter will be able to talk to this Aunt May yeah. and explain why he's doing this, mm. what her fears are, and the fact that he is carrying the weight of Uncle Ben's death on his shoulder. Yeah. To to put that on her to explain that to her will give her 
all she needs to be the true matriarch that she is in the previous movies. Yes. So their young relationship can be developed. Yeah. Instead of existing as it already should be, mm. like it is in the Raimi movies, like it was with Sally Field in the Amazing Spider-Man movies. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. We now have room to grow and to capitalize on that relationship as yeah. it develops. At least crossing fingers. Um, you know, I would have, I would have done. I love that ending. I thought it was really funny. But <laughs> if if there's a second chance to do it, I would love them to do it differently. Because do you remember the end of the first like few issues of uh, Amazing Spider-Man, Straczynski's Amazing Spider-Man, where she finds him beaten up and and that's why that's how I would done it. Yeah, they still could have that opportunity. Yeah, to to tr- to have Aunt May truly appreciate what Peter is doing. Yeah, you can still have that moment of of um oh what you, there's it think of like when uh, batman goes out for the first time and he gets gassed by joker mm. not joker by scarecrow and alfred Poison. picks alfred Poison. picks him up <laughs> and he's driving him back home yeah and, he, and he's he's crying like alfred's crying yeah. because what can he do yeah and they're so helpless there's a moment for that that we could see that in the future of aunt may i really hope so because you can tie in uncle ben's death yeah. then and that's just like i don't want you to do this anymore like you're all i have left yeah yeah so there i though i will agree that she doesn't have a terrible terrible amount to do yeah in this what they used her for setting her up for what her art could be they better i am holding them accountable because <laughs> because if this is the only thing that she's series, hot yeah yeah it's, that it's, would it's, be it's kind of insulting mm-hmm. like marissa tomei has an oscar for god's sake yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as beautiful as she is yes oh my gosh swoon <laughs> but um i was gonna say something else you know what we're just just going off on the idea of fear and stuff like that that you were alluding to from batman begins mm-hmm. i love that about peter that's what Again, we're adding more nuanced layers onto this character and making him more relatable. Yeah. When he is on top of the Washington Monument, he's scared to death. Because he's never been so high before. And that makes so much sense. Is because, like, when Peter in uh, Raimi's movies first discovers his powers, he climbs the wall, the walls right away, and yeah. he looks down, and he's like, oh, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. It's just like any real person, even if you're, like, a thrill seeker, would be like... This oh is crazy. This is You've really never tall. Been this is really this tall. High before. Yeah, he's been he's been swinging through Queens. The tallest yeah. building in Queens is going to be what 10, 15 stories, I, maybe. <laughs> I love that moment. Like, I know there's not a lot of like web swinging and free falling, and I didn't get that visceral feeling, but I got that knot in my stomach when he was on top of the Washington Monument, mm-hmm. and I felt the fear for him. We saw it in IMAX the, the oh, first okay. time we saw it. So there you go. It was <sighs> definitely has that moment. It's like the moment in Nolan's Dark Knight when he when you lean over the building with yeah. Batman in China. There you it's go. like whoa. <laughs> and. The fear. The, the fear. fear is there. And there's also the second part, the iconic comic book cover of, uh, I think it was Spider-Man 33 or something like that, um, where he's lifting the concrete. Oh, yes. The, the recreation I, of that scene. I, I was going to bring that up as well. When um, when he's just, he's screaming, just like, and crying. somebody help. Yeah, exactly. I'm here, help me, help he's, me. It is. It's at that moment where he's realizing he's in way over his head. And I thought they should have drawn that out more. I, it was, and I really don't like this. Is my pet peeve about like super movies is when something happens earlier and they they have a callback. Yeah. But it's like a really heavy-handed callback done through voiceover. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like that. I just wish it was his own agency where he's just like, okay, if I don't do this, I'm gonna die. I wish it was that. Yeah. But that moment where he's just like sobbing, just like, oh my god, I'm a kid and I'm about to die. <laughs> yeah. That, that, <laughs> that was, was real. The most powerful moment in the whole movie was that moment. So even, powerful, so even, bleak. Even yeah. watching it the second time, I'm like, God, this is so scary mm. and 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 it's powerful. Yeah. And and his come on, Spider Man. Come on, Spider Man. Yeah. Come on. And he first he says, Come on, Peter. Yeah. And then he says, 
he says Spider-Man, and he yeah. lifts that up is so awesome. It's almost like that's how he comes of age, and that's how he accepts his identity as a superhero. Because yeah. at first he was just dicking around, just like, yeah, superpowers. But now he's <laughs> like, okay, there's responsibility to this mantle. You can go before that. You have I love when he's trapped in the warehouse. Oh. <laughs> and he's and he's trying out his costume and he's getting to know Karen the suit lady. Yeah. I love that. That is that it feels so much like the comics that I love yes. of Spider Man. But then the other end of it is on the other side when he has his final fight with Vulture and he's like, I'm trying to save you yes. <laughs> like I love love that. I love that they didn't kill Vulture, thank yes. God. I thought I thought they were who was gonna blow up Yes, they, uh, I I like, really was like this, don't, don't do blow him up, don't blow him up. The fact that he yeah. He survived. There's a great little character moment in Dad doesn't want us here for the trial, so we're yeah. moving to Seattle. That's that's Oregon. Yeah. Oh, Oregon. Like, I'm sorry. Shout out to Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that that was that was great. Those those little moments are such huge moments in why this movie works so well. Yeah. Because it it's the 100 percent pure embodiment of Spider-Man in those moments. Yes, absolutely. And you know what? I'm actually shocked that we haven't talked about Michael Keaton. Well, I was waiting. I was ramping up to it right here. So we're, if we're talking about moments, I think the standout moment is in the car when he realizes it's when they it's, have the talk. It's a it's a duplication. It's a retread of Norman Osborn, mm. Willem Dafoe realizing that Peter's Spider Man. Yeah. It certainly is that again. Mm. But it's so much fright, more frightening. It's, it's scary. yeah. It's the, the mood lighting when it turns from blue to red. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is heavy handed, but it looks great. Yeah. <laughs> and Keaton's performance through and through. Yeah. It, watching it the second time, <clears throat> I was surprised how little Keaton there was in the first hour yeah. of the movie. It didn't dawn on me because he was so good mm-hmm. when I walked out the first time that when I rewatched it, he gets his opening five minutes with mm-hmm. damage control. Remind me to talk about okay. damage control again. He's not in for like another 30 minutes. <laughs> That's true. It's a lot of Peter and his friends. Yeah. And you know what? Just calling back to the blue collar aspect of the first Spider-Man movie that you were alluding to. Mm-hmm. It is in this film, but it's in Keaton. It's through Vulture, yeah. And I love that aspect. Of that. I think that's what makes Vulture the best Spider-Man villain so far, which is crazy to say because I'm not even a Vulture fan in real life. <laughs> but his motivations make sense, first and foremost, because it's there's emotional uh, investment in mm-hmm. that and his family. But also it's just like, it's very real. It's just like, yeah, I would be pissed off if that happened to me. Yeah. He's got he's got people to provide for him, and then now like these corporate like hounds are are taking this thing away from him, where his only source of income is, and so he has to turn into a way of uh, crime. Crime. So it's very very telling of the world we exist in now. Yeah. Uh, this was a missed opportunity with damage control. Mm-hmm. This could have been an opportunity to get some shield characters in there from the show. Like they missed a huge opportunity yeah. to because though they all play in the same sandbox, there has not been any overlap yet. That's true. It would have been a perfect opportunity to get in uh, Mockingbird, who left S.H.I.E.L.D., mm. and filmed a pilot yeah. for ABC called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Damage Control <laughs> that has been sitting on a shelf. Yeah, It would have been a perfect opportunity to get S.H.I.E.L.D. agents in there. Now, it couldn't have been them yeah, because this takes place right after the Avengers mm. attack on the tower. So it couldn't have been Coulson. It couldn't, but just to be somebody from the TV show... Uh. Would have been great. This is a missed opportunity. It's small. It's super yeah. minor. And I'm not taking away from the fact that damage control as this entity, as a MacGuffin, okay. works. Yeah. It was just, I was like, ah, oh, man, if they could have just snuck yeah. somebody in there. Agent May, it would have been great. Yeah. Just, you know, more. Just for your, your nerdiness. <laughs> just want to see Ming in there. <laughs> <laughs> We, we've been praising the hell out of this movie. Is there any critique that yes. you have? Yes. I, I think 
I think it moves too fast to where okay it this is just me nitpicking because I I literally think it's flawless <laughs> there there's certain things where it's still very much a comic book movie and mm-hmm. it still falls into those tropes and you know what? I don't have any critiques, man. I'm just <laughs> trying right, to make right, stuff up. I, right, I don't know, okay. man. This movie's really good. <laughs> first, first problem I have. Though Keaton is incredible. Yeah. And he does stand up there as one of... He's one of the best villains of all time yeah. right now, in the, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Another guy in green with a flying contraption <laughs> with tech to fight the bad guys. Yeah. Or fight the good guys. Mm. It's just Green Goblin again. Yeah. It's, a, it's our third Green Goblin. Yeah. We... I, I don't know how else you could have done it, mm. but... From that, from just taking a step back and, and looking at it strictly from trying to be objective here, yeah, it was just the same thing again. It was just another Green Goblin. It kind of goes, although it kind of goes back to what we were talking about, like it's pulling all the similar elements, but yeah. making it better, or at right. least for the modern context. The, the, yeah. What what they improved upon yeah. it though is yes, making him the blue collar guy fighting back against yeah. the system. The fact that all the tech he used was yeah. Shatari, the Tresclean crashing, yeah. the uh, Sokovia tech, yeah, like the arc reactors mm. he's this mishmash of technology yeah. he's a vulture he yeah. scavenged everything that to was make himself really cool that's really great yeah. that's that that is thematically on point uh-huh. so yes I, though i'm complaining it's like it's just another green goblin yeah. he's a really cool green goblin yeah <laughs> um you know what he should have just been a full-on bird <laughs> <laughs> oh that, uh, a true, man a true bird man <laughs> just the old bald guy with the hook nose and the <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. Uh, secondly, is the it's the fact that it's Tony's fault. Everything in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is Tony's fault yes. again. Tony is the linchpin to all villainy. He's such a douchebag. <laughs> the more I think about it, the more I don't like Tony Stark. I, I mean, I love him as a character. I yeah, think he serves as, as such a great antagonistic spirit mm-hmm. for all these catalysts that are happening in all yeah. these other movies. But, but the when, fa- yeah, it's his fault yet again. Downey Jr. is amazing. He, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, you need. He is one of the greatest performances of all time yep. in all these movies. Mm-hmm. But it's his fault again, and it's it is literally him taking over the vulture uh, Tombs's job yeah. that leads him to being the villain. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's not just I'm going up against Shield damage control. No, yeah. I'm going up against Tony freaking Stark. That <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> That's what that is. You know what? I do have a critique. I think that is what maybe takes me back from saying this is a full-on A-plus movie, Mm -hmm. is that it is a mishmash and a remix of all things we've seen before, not just Spider-Man movies, but also MCU movies. Yes. And so that's why I'm I'm comparing it to The Force Awakens. I think it's a nice digestible intro for the modern audience and for fans. A palate cleanser. A palate cleanser, if you will. And so... What I'm seeing and hoping in this iteration of Spider-Man is the potential for more. Mm-hmm. Like you were just talking about the Ant-Man relationship, I'm thinking what they can do with Peter and what they're alluding to in the Stinger. Yeah. Hopefully, Sinister Six. There's a lot to do here yeah. in this Spider-Man sandbox that they have not done in other six movies. That I feel like okay, this is the time for Peter to rise again. They they got everything right. <laughs> yeah, that was has been done, has been done right before. Yeah, and they didn't do anything stupid. Yes. Like, three amazing spider-man amazing spider-man two mm-hmm. did and some of the earlier even the raimi one and two yeah they've they've learned mm-hmm. and they've learned from other marvel movies as well therein lies my next complaint okay it's an mcu movie yes it's, there's no doubt about this that this is an mcu movie i do like that's not tied to anything it is though is it captain america's in here 
Iron Man's in here. Well, I mean, Pepper like, getting engaged at the end of the movie. Uh, Happy. Yeah. Shield. I mean, there's the there's, the uh, the events, yes, the incidents. Yes. It is a Marvel Cinematic Universe again. Totally. It's in the sandbox, and there's elements that are sprinkled throughout it. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess what I mean is like, it's not setting up another movie, or it's not is not so heavily dependent on another film right for like it to exist. go see thor now yeah. it's it's not it's yes it exists in its own branch yeah but my my and i want i want to be clear here yeah. i'm not bashing this movie i'm just trying to be as objective as possible oh yeah, yeah. devil's advocate and the marvel cinematic universe i love mm-hmm. the marvel cinematic universe however i said however <laughs> <laughs> therefore I should cut this um <laughs> I know the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, There are people who probably went to see this because they just wanted to see another Spider-Man movie. How confused do you think some people might have been mm-hmm. seeing some of these references? Yeah, I don't think as many people as, say, all the garbage they put in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, yeah. which is like, what is this? What the hell am I watching? Even as a fan, I'm confused right now. <laughs> right. But there is the fa- it is it is clearly part of this universe, yeah. which is t- almost t- it's 20 properties to truly you, you you would get it if you knew all 20 properties. <laughs> and it's and it's becoming part of that problem that comic books themselves have yeah how do you get someone to start reading a comic book when there's 70 years of superman how do you get people that's why there's constantly marvel number one oh yeah. we rebooted the universe we rebooted the universe which is great because it gets people through the door mm-hmm. but then you immediately have to deal with the fans who yeah. are like this is a reminiscent of this and then you'd get this reference it was this and it's too <laughs> much it's like over it's like explaining a joke yeah the joke should just be funny as it is yeah. i shouldn't have to explain to you why it's funny that's true Excuse me, it's not canon. So, for for that respect, and it sounds like I'm being hard on this oh, movie. Oh no, no, no. you but. you are being totally object objective, and I, I do I do totally agree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one thing. It is the gift and the curse of these of the MCU. You yes. have to watch literally 20 movies to get one of them. But Where? that's why I'm really excited for it to end because they're gonna blow it all up. And I'm, <laughs> I'm really hoping one offs. Please give me some one shots. Yeah, like, no enough more... with the phases. Yeah. yeah, which I think we will get. All that. All that being said, this movie gets so much right. Yes. And and my complaints to another Green Goblin or Tony being responsible again and being too connected to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Whatever. Those are throwaway complaints. This movie is fun as hell. It's got an amazing sense of adventure and and excitement. I actually I I can think of another nitpicky complaint the action sequences aren't trying to remember so let's like the vulture fight at the end Mm. the 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 plane crashing going backwards even the washington monument situation when it comes down to the action sequences Mm. they aren't as compelling as some of the raimi stuff or even some of the amazing spider-man stuff (gasps) they don't have they don't have the 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 they aren't as visceral as some of the fights we've seen before my hope is that they've laid the groundwork to get to that point Mm. because he's a kid because the world is going to keep coming down on his shoulder the older he gets and the more responsibility he takes upon himself i hope we get a fight like that green goblin fight yeah i really hope so too and you're totally right i think it those fight scenes while while obviously standardly crafted by by really good people and who know what they're doing mm-hmm. it's still it lacks like that you mentioned the uh the ver- ferociousness of it all mm-hmm. but also the emotional content i just felt 
the the lack of da- the lack of danger was very prevalent in those scenes mm-hmm. and and one thing for me is Spider-Man has such a unique fighting style mm-hmm. like every time you see it it's like oh that's how Spider-Man fights <laughs> I, I just felt like Tom Holland kind of fought like a guy yeah. like a regular guy I, the one thing I will praise the fighting sequences for is I don't know why I did air quotes <laughs> <laughs> but um is the unique use of the webbing Yes, yes. Now, yeah. there, there's a division right there. Some people are mad, like, oh, it's just another Iron Man suit. And yeah. there's other people who's like, yes, all these spider web options. I loved the suit. It was because, cool, man. Because it gave him an opportunity to discover new powers, yeah. like I said, to do the origin without doing the origin mm-hmm. again. And Jennifer Connelly's Karen, the suit lady, yeah. is great. That's so great. She's she was, awesome. She was a great character. We yeah. never, we never get to see her. She's just suit lady. Isn't it awesome that... Paul Bettany plays Jarvis and she plays Karen. Yeah, and they're married. They're married. Really. That's so good. And she was uh, she was Betty in the Angley Hulk. Oh, yeah. I've tried to forget about that movie. As, as have we all. As we all. Uh, yes. um, yeah, I I dig the suit. It's an innovative look at, and a way to do and interpret Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm wondering if he'll have the Iron Spider suit in Infinity War because as good as the suit he has now is, yeah. He's going up into space against Thanos. He's gonna need, a, he's gonna need an upgrade. You need an upgrade. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, oh, there is one huge thing I can't believe we didn't talk about mm. the the twist. Oh yes, yes. Z- the Zendaya. Who plays oh no, Michelle. actually no, that's not the twist. The twist okay, is that, yeah, but, that but back, two... back up, back up. But yes, when he opens the door Darn, for it's... and it's Adrian, it got me. Yeah. It totally got me. I don't I, know if you were anticipating it. I was not anticipating it. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and then from that point on, the tension and, and Tom Holland's performance yeah. of just the, what the hell do I do? Yeah. I love, and there's some good gags. And they were just like, put the corsage on. Is that a corsage? Yeah. And he just hands it to her. It's <laughs> like, smile for the picture. <laughs> and it, when he, every time he's talking in the kitchen, he's holding a knife. <laughs> yes. It's, it's such a great reveal yeah and it's and it's a fine twist in the storytelling it's not without, egregious it's it, not yeah. the mandarin i like that twist <laughs> hashtag unpopular opinions here <laughs> sorry jessica we just brought up iron man 3 again <laughs> oh no hey it's been a good long time it's been a good run <laughs> um but the the twist that tombs was liz's dad or stepdad i'm not sure dad yes yeah. because um her, her mom was black, so I'm yeah. assuming she's biracial. Cool. Yeah. Uh, that was... I like that they didn't make a big deal of it. But it, just pulling back again, how diverse is this cast? Yes, and that, yeah. that can segue into Mary Jane, or yeah. MJ being yeah. Michelle. Uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah, though. great cast. A very yeah. a very realistic cast. Yeah. Um, I am disappointed that it's still something we even need to discuss. I know. <laughs> so let's talk about MJ. <laughs> Rewatching it a second time. Yeah. Well, we should celebrate it. Discuss uh, like the discussion well, I, I needs was, to be new. I was yeah. I was about to yeah. <laughs> rewatching it the second time. Her performance is so well done because she's she clearly has an affinity for Peter yeah. in her very I don't give a shit attitude. I'm not obsessed with Peter Parker. Yeah. She <laughs> she's got a great sense of humor to her. Uh, there's more about her that we know in so little time that yeah. she's she protests. She knows that the the Washington Monument was built by slaves, so yeah. she's got some. She's active, yeah. right? And she she's got a very Gwen-like personality mashed with what will be his love interest. Yeah. And for anyone out there who's who's upset about this, go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> 
Wait, who's upset? The only thing I'm upset. Who's upset? Have yeah. you seen people flipping out of the fact that how dare they make a make this girl MJ? Oh my gosh, that's the reason I I'm upset. Oh, there's only I'm upset a little bit only because like it felt like a John Robin yeah, situation. Yeah, that's that a complaint. Like, that's the it. only thing I was like, come on, if she's gonna be MJ, just let her be MJ. But but the character herself. I like her so much as the love interest, not only because you mentioned, yeah, she has a lot of agency, she has interests, she mm-hmm. has a life outside of Peter, so she's just not talking about Peter all the time. Yeah. There's certain moments where she's not she's caught just, up in some love triangle. Exactly. I like that she's not like this sex bomb, this like sex kitten or anything like that, because that's how we've often portrayed love interests and stuff like that. Right. Like she's, Liz. Yeah. <laughs> she was a MacGuffin. But um, I I do like that she, she just felt very real. There wasn't a distinct femininity to her there's mm-hmm. not a distinct masculinity to tom holland he's just like they're just kind of he, he's a gender neutral i guess no, no, I he's, guess he's a dopey neutral. young kid who's yeah. driven by his desires and yeah. as well as uh his eagerness to prove himself yeah and uh and michelle or mj mm-hmm. is she's a fully realized human being yeah who has a personality unto herself exactly and, and she, that's great. I the the my friends call me MJ was like, oh, cool. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was fine. I remember yeah. it was a people were flipping their lid on the internet because yeah. like, oh Zendaya is gonna be Mary Jane. Mm-hmm. Boo, boo. That's when Stan Lee came out and said, whether she is or not, mm-hmm. the only requirement for Mary Jane is she's pretty. Yeah, Zendaya is a pretty young lady. So if she is Mary Jane, I approve. <laughs> so from Stan the man himself. Mm-hmm. There you go. They they conned us. They <laughs> JJ Benedict Cumberbatched us, man. They said no. she's not gonna be Mary Jane. Okay, <laughs> yes and no that they did come out and say she's not Mary Jane. Yeah. She's not Mary Jane Watson. Mm-hmm. So relax. It's not she's a new character named she's Michelle. Michelle Jane. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle Jones. <laughs> is it Michelle? So is she a character or is she a, No, she's a whole for the movie, right? She's a fully new character for okay. the films. I personally liked her a lot. I think She's one of the funniest parts of the movie. Yeah, so. she's got some of the best zingers because she's just there. Yeah. She, 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 like the I don't want to celebrate something that was built by slaves. Oh, <laughs> I'm not sure that the. Uh, oh, uh, good, good, good job. <laughs> <laughs> Protest is uh, is American. <laughs> it's like, parties are lame, and they're like, Why? Michelle, you're here too. Am, Am I? I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like that. I'm I'm interested to see how they yeah. pursue that. Pretty because it, it's. Do you it, think she will be the love interest, or is she just like a, fr- a really good friend? I would like her to be a really good friend who develops into a love interest. Because yeah. if MJ, who is supposed to be the end all be all love of Peter's life, is what they're going to do with this new MJ, mm. the true end all be all loves of people's lives are not their first crush. Yeah. Are not their second to tenth crush. Mm. It's the, in my experience, the. The love that is developed in from platonic love to to true love is developed over time, over experiences in a relationship that you may not realize at the time. Yeah. So having her be there and not immediately jumping her into someone, jumping her into being his new girlfriend, mm. and letting her develop through two and possibly three movies before they reach that point, yeah. would be lovely. Because mm-hmm. honestly, how many people stay with their high school sweetheart the rest of their lives? It happens. I know people who, from my hometown, I know people in my life that are, that are with the person that they fell in love with in high school and to this day are married with kids. But it seems to be more natural to have a friendship with someone, yeah. to lose them for a time, to come back to them. and have. It's what Mary Jane says at the end of Raimi's Spider-Man. 
when she was at the end of her life and thought she was going to die, the person who crossed her mind was Peter. Yeah. Because he'd always been there. He'd always been a true friend to her and rescuing her when she needs needs to be rescued. And not in a damsel in distress fashion, but in an emotional. Yeah. She, he was an emotional anchor. And that realization of her is something we could see develop over more than one film. <laughs> How about you? For uh, for Michelle? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that, that would be the perfect way to go. I don't want from the jump, oh, they're in love. Because, first of all, that's not how love works. <laughs> and secondly, I like the tug and pull dynamic of the two of them. She she pushes his buttons. She makes fun of them. Yeah. I think that's Where great. are you going? <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. We need characters like that to kind of not only bring Peter a little bit more down to earth, but yeah. it's it, it makes for a good comic relief that's not too heavy-handed. I loved yeah. all the relationships in this film. There wasn't a relationship that didn't work. And it's he, all very sweet. Yeah. It's so it's naive, it's innocent, it's sweet. That's how high school was or should be. The, so. the director himself said he set out to make a John Hughes superhero movie, yeah. and I feel he achieved that. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the characters and, and the, the, the relationships they all had with one another yeah. in this existing world yeah uh, he, he, the conversation peter has with the sandwich guy how he saves and he he literally saved a cat which made me roll my eyes um, <laughs> ned and aunt may and tombs mm. and his minions donald glover's uh prowler character mm. like all the relationships in this are so well written and so well acted that yeah. it's i i want more of that from the mcu it's yes. it's why winter soldier is a better film to, for me than Civil War mm. because Winter Soldier has the relationship between Steve and Black Widow. Yeah. And you also have Crossbones in there mm. and you have Bucky. Like, there's some great relation. Pierce and Nick Fury. Mm. It seems like it should go without saying. Yeah. But when you develop... It's, it's writing 101. You put A and B in a room. That's a relationship. Mm. You add C into the mix. That changes the dynamics of everything in the room. It's where Batman v Superman, my perpetual bashing of this film, fails. Yeah. I don't understand the relationships between more than half the cast of this film. Yes. Of, of Batman versus Superman. And they all have the same personality and the same goals, which makes them kind of bleed all in together. Well, and... Batman and Superman, I guess Lex, they're all driving to the same thing. Yes. Is that what you mean by yeah, that? They yeah, all, they all require power in order to achieve whatever they want to achieve. What they want to achieve are different, but they require the power to do so. It's the same power. And and it's just so – it it's, makes for a very bland viewing experience, mm-hmm. but also you don't know which one begins and which one ends in terms of, like, acts and characterizations and structure, and that's yeah. why it's such a confusing movie to watch. It's, it's a, it is a credit to Spider-Man Homecoming yeah. in, in the discussion we're having right now in this analysis of relationships that Tony hasn't even come up. Yes. <laughs> that That's how strong Spider-Man is mm-hmm. in this film, in his world. Yeah. However... I'm cutting that one. I'm Therefore. cutting that one. Therefore. <laughs> Therefore, Happy and Tony's relationship and Pepper's relationship yeah. in the minimal time they have, uh, Peter's relationship with Happy yeah. versus Peter uh, versus Tony is so neat. Yes. And I love that little bit at the end where... Uh, with the ring. The, the ring. Yeah, like this was a test, wasn't it? Yeah. There's not really reporters, is yeah. there? No, you passed. Good job. <laughs> Where's the kid? What do I say now? Uh, Happy told him to wait in the car. Yeah. Did you guys ruin this? <laughs> got fifty reporters out here yeah. waiting to see a big announcement. 
hey, you still got that ring? Oh, I've had it since 2008. <laughs> you guys are pathetic. We'll think of something. And flicking him the yeah. ring to go propose. That was I a was, nice callback. I was so thrilled to see Gwyneth Paltrow's Pepper Potts show yeah. up because I thought she was done. Mm-hmm. When she wasn't in Civil War or Age of Ultron, I just thought, well, maybe they just, they don't, she doesn't want to be involved anymore. Like, uh, uh, Natalie Portman doesn't want to be involved anymore. So the fact that she showed up was great. And yeah. she's third build in the film. When they rolled Did the she? credits at the end. Oh, damn. It said it was uh, Rob Downey Jr., John Favreau, Gwyneth Paltrow. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's <laughs> uh, eh, all right. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Reeve didn't get top billing on his movie either. It was Gene Hackman, right? <laughs> and Marlon Brando. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like starring these two, also starring that Christopher Reeve. Fella. <laughs> that's that's beside the point. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's oh, there's clearly we have a lot of praise for this yeah. film. So I need to ask you, where does this? How would you rank the Spider-Man films? Okay. Here it goes. Okay. Do you want to? You want to go top to bottom or bottom to top? What's what is your rank of the of the six Spider-Man movies that exist? Okay. Let's do bottom to top. Uh, do, do you want me to go first? Yes. Okay. I'll go Amazing Spider-Man 2, mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man, mm-hmm. Spider-Man, no, no, damn, Spider-Man 3, where does Spider-Man 3 fall? <laughs> okay, I'll go, I'll go, Amazing Spider-Man 2. <laughs> no, you know what? Amazing Spider-Man sucks too. Okay, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3, so Spider-Man, you... Spider-Man 2, and then Homecoming. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I have a different list. So my the worst Spider-Man movie we've seen so far is Amazing Spider-Man, the first one. Oh dang! That's, Which one was the one that you liked? Well, I what? I liked Spider Amazing Spider-Man two. Okay. For certain elements of it, yeah. having gone back and watched it multiple times, mm. it's not a strong movie, but yeah. there are elements of it that are strong. The first Amazing Spider-Man is such a we need to keep the rights, just do the same crap we've been doing. <laughs> it's so bad. Peter yeah. is terrible. Spider-Man's fine. The suit's fine, whatever. Uh, even Emma Stone does uh, does a fine, but the the villain sucks. Uh, Captain Stacy sucks. Mm. The <laughs> the revelations in the movie suck. The yeah. Uncle Ben scene is not done as well as it was when Cliff Robertson did it yeah. in uh, the Raimi Spider Man. It's just a retread. It's garbage. Yeah, <laughs> Amazing Spider Man Two upped its game because the dynamic and relationship between Emma Stone and and Andrew Garfield is clear. The Spider-Man in that movie is mm. so good. The fact that every fight he goes into, he tries to negotiate before he throws a punch. Yeah. The 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 Times Square sequence where he saves all those people, his inventiveness. But then it's bogged down by all like the universe building, those idiots. <laughs> his parents being the secret agents, Harry being crowbarred in there, mm. Rhino being crowbarred. There's... Jimmy Fox playing Jim Carrey as the Riddler. <laughs> so Amazing Spider-Man's bottom. Amazing Spider-Man 2 is, is there... Amazing Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2. No, you mean Spider-Man 3. Spider-Man 3, yeah. sorry. Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3, Spider-Man 2. Uh-huh. Ooh, moment of truth. I, I, you know what? I wonder where he's going to go with yeah. this. The same Raimi Spider-Man is number one. Damn! So it's it's the first. Yeah. And since that first one, even Homecoming is trying to do it again. Yeah. And... It's it's like I used the Superman as an example earlier. The Donner Superman is the, the prototype, and yeah. everything since is going to try to capitalize on that. Rewatching that Spider-Man last night for this podcast, it's not as funny. It's not as exciting. It's not. It doesn't have as good of characters in it, but the direction mm. and the vision and the tone, consistency of tone, 
of Raimi's first Spider-Man is stronger than Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming is very, very, very good. I, yeah. I, I say this that I'm putting one over the other and people are hearing, you hate Spider-Man Homecoming? <laughs> we just talked for an hour. Clearly, yeah. I don't hate Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's just another Marvel movie. I think that's a fair critique. And it's, yeah. it's, it's close. It's, and you know, ask me again in a year, I might say, oh, I've seen Spider-Man Homecoming 10 times now. It's way better than the Raimi yeah. one. But it's just hard, it's just hard to, com- to put the two against each other because that first one set a standard, not for Spider-Man, yeah. but for superhero movies, yes. for blockbusters. Um, and, and I got to give respect to it for that. Mm. And for Raimi as a visionary director. Yeah. Who directed Spider-Man Homecoming? John Watts. Is he a visionary? We don't know. We don't know. It's a second movie. Yeah. Which so, is like, gosh, how are these people getting? I know, right? <laughs> How's this happening? <laughs> so, by for for that for for putting it right there, that is that is how I feel about Spider-Man: Homecoming. And, I think those are fair arguments. Yeah. I wouldn't argue with that. Yeah. Um. I again, like my complaints about Raimi's Spider-Man are very are more personal preferences. They're valid. They're perfectly yeah. valid. Uh, and like, I I love the overall blueprint of mm-hmm. what Raimi's Spider-Man is. And you're right, it laid it laid the groundwork for everything that we know that is a superhero now. Um yeah, maybe we'll maybe we'll reconvene a few years because like it's just so hard to rank stuff yeah. when one is so fresh, you know. Yes, yeah. yeah. It, and Spider-Man Homecoming was so much fun. I yeah. just walked out of it just happy right? and smiling yeah. and just thinking of it, oh, and then this part was so good and then that character was so funny like yeah. and and to watch it again last night, I again enjoyed it. It was wonderful. What were your expectations going to the film? Because I remember when the first Amazing Spider-Man was coming out, you were like, I'm just going to go in, open mind. I, I don't really care. And that's like, it was shocking to me because I know Spider-Man is one of your favorites as well. And Peter is like really near and dear to your heart. And so what what was your expectations going into Homecoming? Uh, going into this, and I did manage to avoid a lot of previews. Yeah. I watched the first couple and I was like, boy, they're showing a lot. I'm done. <laughs> uh, going into this, I just was... Just be, please be good. Yeah. Just please be Sony. Let it be Marvel and not Sony. Mm. Let this be a Marvel movie and not a Sony movie. <laughs> because I don't trust Sony. Mm. They keep doing stupid crap and <laughs> with their characters and with their franchises. And it's it's not the same stupid crap that DC is doing mm. at Warner Brothers. But it's it is that reeling and and trying to play catch up with with the two Amazing Spider-Man movies. It's too much, too fast. And yeah. and they made a mistake. Had they succeeded at Amazing Spider-Man? Andrew Garfield would, would would be in this movie. Yeah. This this that Spider-Man could have gone the distance, mm. but it, not the way they made it. They made nothing but a mistake from get from the get because yeah. it was like we just need to maintain the rights, so let's just make something. Yeah, that was bull. Mm. Uh, going into this, I, I was looking forward to it. Civil War. Tom Holland proved himself as a good Spider-Man. Mm. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy Two was was a continue was continuing to prove that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is the best it is it was at what it does mm. so i was looking forward to it and i was really happy coming out of it like going into wonder woman i was like just just please don't be bad just please don't be bad <laughs> so when it was good i was like oh thank god <laughs> with spider-man i was like i hope this is good yeah and when i came out, i was like it was great it was great <laughs> i mean how about you I, now that i've babbled on about my expectations what were you, you going into it, what were you thinking i was really psyched yeah but i i don't think it, you know, it surprised me more than I thought it did because I thought, A, the trailers gave away everything, mm-hmm. and then B, I was expecting more from the other superhero movies that were coming out this year, like Logan, Guardians, and Wonder Woman, more I so than Homecoming. Logan, yeah. Even Ragnarok. Like yeah. I, I actually am more excited for Ragnarok than all the other superhero movies this year. And um, 
going in, I think this is one of the best superhero movies of the year. And yeah, I, someone would ask me like, of the movies that have come out so far, mm. what would you rank them? Yeah, keep, we keep ranking things. <laughs> I forgot about Logan, but Logan, Spider Man, Wonder Woman, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two are mm. four comic book movies so That's far. True. What order do you put them in? And I would, I'd, I'd put Spider Man Homecoming at the top, mm. and probably Logan second. Ooh. Then Guardians, then Wonder Woman. You like Guardians of Wonder Woman? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Look, Gar- Wait, what? <gasps> I, I, we can have a conversation about it. I've retracted. We'll, and, we'll and do now, the list episode see, at the end of the see, year. See, what you just heard was yeah. Wonder Woman sucks. That's not what I said. Yeah. I just said when in that in those in that order of films those four yeah. movies i would be more willing to watch guardians of the galaxy 2 again than i would watch wonder woman again Damn. because guardians of the galaxy 2 built upon an existing trusting they had good credit yeah. and they, they good characterizations i it's close I, yeah. I don't think guardians of the galaxy 2 is even close to being as good as the first one yeah. uh, i don't even think it's up there in some of the best marvel movies obviously i put spider-man higher than it yeah. but I have watched Marvel, both Wonder Woman and Guardians of the Galaxy twice. Yes. I had still had a good time watching uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 again mm. and found some new things to enjoy, new things to laugh at, new new bits to appreciate. Because once you know how things play out, you get to you can watch the background and, yeah. and watch the setups and knockdowns. And watching Wonder Woman a second time, though it is still incredible, it's incredible because it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I think that takes away from the It does. The it does. I, I don't want I don't yeah. want it to come off like I think Wonder Woman's a crap, crap movie because yeah. it's, a, it's an incre- <laughs> it's an incredible film. Yeah. But in the grand scheme of things it had to follow what it was following. That's true. And I they, think it's weird. <laughs> it's it's weird because they both had unique advantages. Wonder Woman was like the bar was set so low. Yeah. So like literally just making a movie, mm-hmm. a subpar movie, would have been enough. Yeah. And Guardians had, like you said, it was built upon something that was preceding it and on a formula that was extremely strong and proven. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, this is more discussion for the end of the year because I think Wonder Woman might might end up there. But there's just something in Wonder Woman that I haven't found yet in uh, at least the Marvel movies is this, there's elements of it, mm-hmm. but it's not all in all throughout the entire film mm-hmm. is this true sincerity. Yeah. And I'll send you this essay that proves <laughs> my theory because because if you notice in Marvel movies, every time there's like a really strong dramatic beat where you think they might be taking a pretty bleak turn, mm-hmm. it's undercut by a joke. Someone's got to create it, a joke, It yeah. takes away from the power of the scene and I feel as though Wonder Woman, although it's very humorous, mm-hmm. it never takes away from any of the dramatic beats. And that's what, as at fault as the third act is, I yeah. still hate the third act. I think that twist is stupid. <laughs> I, I, I was going to bring that up yeah. as well, that it just becomes who can punch harder. Yeah. Uh, even going further, because we did discuss it when we when we talked about Wonder Woman, the yeah. third act of the animated Wonder Woman movie from 2009. Yeah. I wish that had been. If they just it, swapped it. If, if, if it had been like, I know where Themyscira is now. Yeah. I'm going there. Yeah. And you had... Ares and his army of people versus the the Amazonians. That would have mm. been great. Yeah. But it, even going one step further, having had some more time to think about it, what's okay? She learns that it's not Ares that's responsible for all war because humanity is responsible for it themselves. Yeah. But then she kills him, and the war ends. 
did it just coincidentally end because she killed him at the at that point in time, or was she right and Ares was responsible for yeah. all of war? And it's really it's a really confusing climax. That that last act was just a mess. I would yeah. And then you look at Guardians of the Galaxy and it goes to the relationships we were just discussing with yeah. with Spider Man. All the relationships set up through the course of volume two yeah. pay off in the third act or the final act of of volume two hmm. and have you seen it a second time yet i have okay. i liked it better the second time but i still felt like this is a fun watch and that was it yeah i i felt as though it was elevated by kurt russell for sure this yes, is the yeah. weakest chris pratt i've seen him but then again i think i think maybe it's actually we've seen so much of chris pratt and now i'm starting to see he's a one-trick pony oh no yeah yeah maybe i actually am i've from the get i've liked chris pratt but I never was this rabid fan that people have become a legion for. He's like, a very charming man. He is a, I, I see what you're saying. He's a very funny guy. Saying. No, he's totally funny and capable, capable actor. I just feel as though he has limitations. Kurt Russell. He's the and... male J- Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I would put them in the same league. Kurt, Kurt Russell and um, Michael Roker are, are what drive Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Yeah. If, you, if I had to go toe-to-toe, hero-to-hero, yeah. Gal Gadot is... The, oh man like if i had to order the four heroes spider-man peter quill yeah logan and gal hmm. uh wonder woman diana wonder woman i don't know if i could put her over logan but it'd be one of those two would be those the, two would be in the upper echelon yeah and, the other and two. peter would be yeah. the bottom yeah um i just feel as though for guardians it still was i think my problem with guardians was what your problem was with homecoming well it's not really a problem but your critique mm-hmm. um was it was the MCU movie, it's and it, ju- yeah. it just became this giant, ridiculous punch fest, which I thought was really inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only consequential because of Kurt Russell's performance. I thought him and Michael Rooker were the only reasons why that last act worked, because that last act was ridiculous. <laughs> and like what I was joking about, I mean, what I was talking about, all the jokes undercutting all the dramatic beats, yeah, yeah. that last act was littered with a bunch of stupid <laughs> jokes that went on for way too long. Uh, so, that, that's yeah. actually a fault of Guardians of the Galaxy overall, yeah. is it? A bunch of the jokes overstay their welcome, uh, but it's it's so hard to to criticize a film and and still like it. Yeah, I, I still like all four of those movies. Oh no, totally. I would I would rewatch all of them again. Actually, yeah, yeah. that's not the question. Yeah. It's just which or which would I watch over the others? Why? I guess why I put, the lists are super hard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, there you go. I'm I'm super curious to hear what uh, other fans have to of our of other listeners might think. I also want we have been having a boost in listenership thanks to the Top Shelf Whoop-whoop. podcast, which I do with Jeff every week. I want to thank some of the listeners who've kind of come over here to check things out. Mm. Uh, I hope you appreciate our much longer <laughs> uh, conversations we have about films. It takes three days to watch an episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so thank you for for that boost in in listenership and continue to tweet at me. Uh, or at Ben if you want to reach out to him, or just comment wherever you might be listening to this because uh, you know your opinions help give us uh, a couple lines of conversation. Which uh, we'll take a quick break here, and I want to talk about some quick news. I got a couple tweets we could hit. Uh, we won't take too long talking about news and going on and on about it. Just some fun little little extra things we could discuss. But uh, yeah, if you also want to hear what Schulze and Jeff's reactions were to Homecoming, you can find that it was the previous episode to this show. Which you'll you if you can find on iTunes or wherever mm-hmm. you might be listening to this, and you can get their uh, expectations and their reactions to the film. I'm well, you. Let's take a quick break here. When I come back, I got some tweets and some news stories to talk about. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs>
Okay, Ben. Hi, TZ. How, how are, are you? you? Good. It's, it's good. been a long time. It has been a couple of a couple of tweets here. Okay, I, I always do this. I chicken scratch them down real quick, and yeah. then I forget to either write who wrote them to me <laughs> or write them in their entirety, and I just oh, I'll remember the shorthand. All right. So the first question is, uh, bless you, my son. Remind me to cut that. <laughs> the The first question we have here comes from Twitter. And the question is, does Mary Jane redeem herself at the end of Spider-Man 2 by choosing her own destiny? Hmm. Now, I don't know exactly what redemption she needs to have. What was her falling? Yeah, (laughs) but maybe what what this question is asking is that does she become a a better character Uh. by the simple fact that Peter says... I'm saying we can't be together yeah. because I'm Spider-Man and I'm going to protect you by doing this. Mm. And she comes to his door and says, it's my decision mm. and I'm here to stay. Yeah. And yeah, that does make her yeah. a better character for choosing to place herself. In fact, the Spider-Man 2 ends with the cop cars, you hear the sirens, go get him, Tiger. Mm. He puts on the costume, he races out the door. You see him swooping down with the cops and the helicopters, and then it shows Mary Jane watching him go with this look of uncertainty mm-hmm. on her face, and it's a very strong moment from that character. It's the strongest moment in the entire series of films yes, for her. Absolutely, it's a very haunting moment. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, does it redeem her as a character? <laughs> not, not overall, because yeah. I think that moment kind of becomes it, it's rendered useless with the next sequel. Because yeah, nothing yeah. happens to their relationship other than I mean, like, who she date? Is she dating another guy in that movie? No, no, she breaks up with him in that movie. Breaks up with him in that movie. Oh, whatever. It's in, in Spider-Man three or three. What's, three. She breaks up with Peter. Breaks up with Peter. Yeah. Does she get together with Harry? Mm, I, oh yeah, they start oh, dating because yeah. yeah, he's like making salad with her, and he's just like looking at Peter like, <laughs> yeah, we're making salad, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. All right, uh, what do you feel about Tom Holland's choice for Uncle Ben? Have you heard well, what he he just didn't pay? This is a red carpet question. Yeah, I don't think I didn't red hear car- it. red carpet questions aren't fair because it's, <laughs> people are putting you on the spot. But maybe he's thought about it. Yeah, he thinks Tobey Maguire should be Uncle Ben. Oh, what do you think about in oh, in a man. in some sort of flashback? Yeah. some sort of memory of Tobey Maguire <laughs> playing Uncle Ben, getting to say great power responsibility. What do you think of that? Man, it's just. He still looks super young, though. I <laughs> they mean, could just put some salt and pepper in his hair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Marissa Tomei looks older than him. It's, well, I don't know, in it's a what, flashback, they yeah. could just young her up. They're very good at that they technology now. Yeah. You know what? It would be, as a fan, it would be a cool callback. Mm-hmm. A cool little Easter egg. I don't know. It's, it's, it would be kind of distracting, too, in a way. The, the, there it is. I, yeah. How, I, I, how much I would appreciate it would be, I'd, I'd like it. I'd be like, oh, that's... That's kind of cool. Yeah. It'd be like if they could get J.K. Simmons to play J. Jonah Jameson again. Yes. Which I really would like to see that. Sorry, I take it back. The only way it will work yeah. is if he does it uncredited and he does it kind of like, this is obviously a lot harder because Daniel Craig wore a mask in The Force Awakens. Right. Daniel Craig doing a, a cameo in Force Awakens, that was pretty cool. Or Willem Dafoe showing up in Spider-Man uncredited. Spider-Man 2. He shows oh, up yeah. at the end. Yeah, yeah. So yes, if oh boy, if they could slip that in, slip that, that would in, be and he's like in heavy makeup, and you don't recognize him, and then later after the fact, you're like, that's still him. <laughs> <laughs> Here's how I know they won't do it. Okay, audiences are stupid. 
Honestly. Well, I the, mean, we're the audiences, ge- though. No, no. The general movie go- movie going audience, the, the person who sees three movies a year as opposed to three movies a week like <laughs> we do, would Tobey Maguire show up and they'd instantly be confused. These would be the people 15 years ago who would go, so I thought Jack Nicholson killed Batman's parents. <laughs> so, I mean, this is the prequel to Batman, but I don't get it. If Tobey Maguire showed up as Uncle Ben, there'd be a nice, there'd be enough people as an audience who'd go, "Wait, so Uncle Ben was Spider-Man first, yeah. and then, and then his, and then, <laughs> Pe- wait, I'm and confused. Then he evolved into Peter Parker. So as, as cool as it might be, yeah. they won't do it. I, I'll give audiences more credit. I think, nope. I think we're, <laughs> I, I never like to criticize society as a whole like that because we make up that audience, and so I, I think that's on the filmmakers to make it more a more subdued Easter egg. This okay, is, this okay. is why, dude. When you when you watch Planet of the Apes, yeah. we gotta talk about the stuff they sprinkle in there. Okay. Because they do it ma- masterfully. It's not like over their head, ah, oh, 1969. Like, that's that's why I really dug about all the Easter eggs in Spider-Man Homecoming, too. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a fan, you'll know. Yeah. But if you're yeah. not, it's just there. Okay. It's inconsequential. Okay. I, it's inconsequential. I, I'm being the devil's advocate <laughs> saying that they couldn't do it, but I totally am on your side. In I, I think for me, I'm okay with if they do it, but I'd rather not they do it because what would... Sh- I mean, if you're watching the next Spider-Man uh, sequel, mm-hmm. would you really get anything out of Toby playing Uncle Ben? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, that feels like one of those offhand comments on the yeah. red carpet where he's like, oh, yeah, Toby McGuire. <laughs> That'd be fun. <laughs> That's why I say it's a red carpet yeah. response. Uh, next question. Another tweet. What? Please don't rank all 15. What's your rank of, the, of at least, we'll say, top five Marvel movies? Like, where does <laughs> Spider-Man Homecoming fall in it's see this is tough because yeah. it's so fresh and they got better as they went along yeah because yeah. all the all the bad like even the bad mcu movies are okay but mm-hmm. like all the bad mcu movies came earlier they they succeeded after the first iron man mm-hmm. and since then we got pretty solid movies so. i i say it again and again yeah i love that every single thing that marvel has released mm-hmm. every movie every show is somebody's favorite yes there is not one movie or show on any list that won't show up in the one slot yeah it's amazing to me when people throw up lists on facebook and they're like here's my if you're curious here's my top 10 marvel movies yeah. if you're curious here's my list and then you go to the comment section is like really this over this this is my favorite this is my yeah. favorite ant-man's someone's favorite dr strange crazy. is someone's favorite <laughs> that's crazy right <laughs> so someone made a really good point about ant-man dr yeah. strange those are the craziest ideas for films that they made the safest way possible. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that they sense. they did not... It's a risky character that yeah. they did the safest way possible. Both Doctor Strange and Ant-Man. Both? I still haven't seen. Oh, really? I'm well, just going to wait till Infinity War. I'm just going to binge all I, 16. You're going to skip Doctor Strange. Come on. You're not going to watch it. Okay. Have you seen it? I have. Do you... Would you recommend I watch it? Depending on what they do with Strange. In Infinity War. In Infinity War and Thor. Okay. If he shows up in Thor... Then I will say that'll determine whether or not Doctor Strange is imperative to watch for the okay. MCU. Because right now, yeah. he's not. Okay. As a standalone film, what? How did you? How did you feel about Doctor Strange? It's got one of the best third acts of all Marvel movies. Okay. Um, because it's not a who can punch harder fight. <laughs> it's not a blue light in the sky. It's not a blue yeah. light in the sky. Shwaja yeah. uh, Four is really great. It's got yeah. one of the best stingers ever. Oh, I think I heard about the stinger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's it's on a level of 
I'll hail the king. Okay. Now I'll hail the king's a one shot and it's yeah. 15 minutes long. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, but yeah. it's in that same level of like, <gasps> give me another one right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So well, where's homecoming fall? Is it, is, mm. I would bet it's near the top because the movies do keep getting better. Yeah. But even if you, even if you want to just think of the last five or six, mm-hmm. where does it fall for civil war? Where does it fall for winter soldier guardians of the galaxy? It's it's gonna be a little hard only because I saw Civil War a lot more than mm-hmm. a lot of these movies. <laughs> um, okay, let's make let's make this list. Let's try to knock it out. So you said you're saying top five? Yeah, yeah. If you just even if you just want to pick your five favorites and not put them in any order, okay, I'll even give you that. Hmm. Can I do? Can I cheat and do a one A one B? Sure. This is, <laughs> you got a tie. You got a tie. <laughs> yes, I have a tie for okay. number one because yeah. I. I can't pick between the first Guardians and Winter Soldier because they're totally different, but they both work on their own merits. Mm -hmm. And they both kind of redefine the MCU formula in a way because we were talking about like, oh, all these these movies can't stand alone. You have to watch 16 in order to watch one. But the first Guardians and the second Captain America movie definitely stand alone on its own merits. Yes. Hell yeah. Yeah, hell yeah. That's why they are my 1A, 1B. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Number three. Or no, number two. Um Man, I'm trying to remember all these, all the movies. I, I, I guess I'll say I, the first Iron Man. Yep. Because that is like the definitive MCU movie, as you've precluded already. Mm-hmm. Um, it set the groundwork for everything, and still hilarious as hell. <laughs> <laughs> so that would be despite two. a dated reference to MySpace. <laughs> I totally forgot about that. I'm, I'm gonna take it that he's being ironic. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Don't put this on your Friendster account. <laughs> Let's Zanga. Um, Let's see, number three. I'm trying to remember the movies. You know what? I'll say Civil War because I, I really still love the hell of that movie, yeah. even though yeah. you can nitpick and say this doesn't work or shouldn't work as a movie because there's so many things going on. But it does. But they, it does. You should juggle it. Yeah. And you know what? I'll put that as number two because oh wow, it it does have the best third act if you think about it. Yeah. It does have it's the best the, third it's act. It's the... The, the drama of that fight. Yeah. It has the most, it has the heaviest consequence of all the MCU movies. Mm-hmm. I thought they were going to kill him. Yeah. I thought, I thought someone was going to die. And I waited, I was on the edge of my seat, that whole Civil War fight yeah. with Tony versus Bucky versus Cap, just like, someone's going to die here. <laughs> and then to cap it with... To cap it? To, yeah. <laughs> to have T'Challa not let Zemo kill himself yeah. was... <laughs> uh, it's so so many things that sh- should have gone wrong didn't so that's why i think that movie should be mm-hmm, number two mm-hmm. number three iron man number four man maybe spider-man is gonna be in here i'm trying to think i'm trying to remember all the movies <laughs> <laughs> what other movies were there yeah I'll, we can leave it at that yeah. i think you if we're if spider-man slips in here at four or yeah. possibly five because you can't think of the other movies yeah that's fine do you have a list that's my list okay you just said it okay there we go. <laughs> I, I won't disagree especially being put on the spot even though i knew this tweet was coming i did can we just throw black panther in there it'll be number five. <laughs> oh man the trailer's so good <laughs> the black panther so. trailer's number five <laughs> uh a couple other questions here from let's see here we got um uh, one of the listeners from the Top Shelf cast who's come over here Top Shelf. Um, wants to know our feelings about the Aladdin casting. Ooh, I, I got feelings on this one. Yeah, so they, they managed to cast actual Middle Easterns, yes. save for the genie, which isn't inherently a Middle Eastern character. Which is a black man playing a slave, it's but gonna whatever. Be, <laughs> it's going to be Will Smith. Yeah. Oh, man, I didn't even think of that. Oh, that was a black the... man playing a slave. Yeah. <sighs> okay, first of all, that, that aside, that was like a huge thing for me. It was like, that's, uh, I don't know. That's, it, it's weird playing that something so serious tongue in cheek, mm-hmm. but also Robin Williams, 
How are you going to top Robin Williams? Like, Will Smith, a fine actor. I'm sure it'll be fine. Well, but that's how. Like, you, yeah. you can't, so like, you don't. <laughs> I listened to a tidbit of um, the last uh, Top Shelf cast that you did, and yeah. you were saying bring back the old recordings of Robin Williams because he improvised, like, uh, like miles and miles upon like, <laughs> yeah. audio tape. Yeah. Just do that. Yeah. Because he's an animated character, right? Unless they're going to have Will playing in <laughs> Blueface. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, but, I mean, that, that aside, I'm, I think from the get, whoever was going to play Genie was set up to fail. Mm-hmm. Unless they really do something that's not like Robin. Which I, I don't think they're going to do. No, I, I do think that they will. The, by yeah. casting someone like Will Smith in the stage versions of Aladdin that mm-hmm. they've done, you can see it at Disneyland, Disney World. I think they did it off-Broadway as well. It is a black man who's been cast as genie in every version of the stage version. Yeah. And it's not Robin Williams doing impersonations. They don't even try. Hmm. Genie is a completely different character in the other iterations of Aladdin. So Will Smith's going to do his Will Smith thing. He's going to be Hitch, right? (laughs) He's going to be Blue (laughs) Hitch. And uh, I'm curious to see if if they do this as a musical. Hmm. It's Guy Ritchie. That's the weirdest thing to me. The cast aside, yeah. the fact that they're doing this, Ben, you know how I feel about these live action remakes. Don't. <laughs> but the the fact that it's Guy Ritchie is really I, strange to me. I don't like it. I because don't like he it is at all. such a stylistic director. You want to talk about a director with vision? His yeah. films have a very clear tone and quality yeah. and style. I think everyone's just gonna start talking like Bricktop. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's really interesting. I I am I'm satisfied with the cast, but. Yeah. Anyone who listens to Top Shelf or has heard hear, hear, heard me on here, mm. I don't care about these live action remakes, and maybe that's just yeah. me being a curmudgeon. No, no, you 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 make a valid point. Like, first and foremost, <laughs> Guy Ritchie's a hack, <laughs> and secondly, I think I did not say that. That was Ben, everybody. <laughs> no, that's that's definitely that's definitely me. I haven't liked anything he's done since Snatch. Okay, I, I know you like Rock and Rolla. And I like Snatch. Is his is the peak of his ability? Yeah. Definitely, yeah. and but even then, so. That that was such a lightning in a bottle moment for mm-hmm. me and his career. Everything he's done since has been so. It's just he's Zack Zack Snyder light, and Zack Snyder's Michael Bay light. So you can see that kind of class of filmmaking, where I, think, I do really disapprove of that kind of style. I I think Guy Ritchie falls into it. If you're being if we're being completely subject like uh, uh, critical here, yeah. Guy Ritchie falls in the same category as Zack Snyder hmm. and J J Abrams. Ooh, that, I, I, I think I wouldn't disagree. I, I and wouldn't disagree. and I I like all those filmmakers have movies that I like. Yeah. even Zack Snyder, who we obviously John go to, go to town yeah. on. Oh, Guardians of Galilee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's James Gunn. Is that James Gunn? What did you no, say? No, that's Zack Snyder. What Gar- Guardians Gar- of the Galaxy? Of Gahul. Oh, Guardians of Gahul. Yeah, <laughs> the Owl movie. No, no, I I don't like that movie. I'm just I'm just playing. <laughs> I <laughs> I do like like we've mentioned before. Um, it all is going to come down to the director because I feel as though yes, it'll be made by committee and this and that, but mm-hmm. the head of it makes so it makes the difference. It, it will yeah. it will tip the scale because Zack Snyder tipped many scales for what is the DC universe now. Yeah, his yeah. fingerprints all over the place. Not saying Guy Ritchie has the same power, but I don't know why not find a musical director. What was Bill Condon doing? He's done he's done Magnificent already or Cinderella, right? Why not just tap him again? He would have been perfect. Yeah. Um, I and for the casting. After all that months of searching and doing open calls and stuff like that, I just feel as though that's who you got. Uh, like Naomi Scott, she's all right, I guess. She's the Pink Ranger. Yeah. Um, I thought she was white, but no, she's half. She's half white, half British Indian. But I yeah. feel as though here's the thing. Like, I, here's here's for my what I'm seeing. Like, 
Disney has often cast ethnic characters if they're, where they're just ethnic enough or ethnically ambiguous. Mm-hmm. So white passing, apparently. Pretty much, mm-hmm. where to make it more digestible for a quote-unquote mass audience. Can't take it if they're dark, Ben. <laughs> I just feel as though this is a really great opportunity for some really great, like multi-talented brown actors to kind of step in. Well, the, the, the guy they got for Lynn and yeah. Jasmine might—they might surprise you. They might surprise me. That's... She's she's a singer, so we'll we'll see. But I just feel as though there's a little bit of brown erasure going here, where I'm where I'm thinking there's a whole industry tc dedicated to brown people singing and dancing i don't <laughs> yeah, know if you might Bo- heard of it it's it might be bollywood yeah. i believe is <laughs> what was it say? it's it's from you go to bali yeah and uh there's a there's a land there called there's a sign that with the wood <laughs> but you know it was weird because i think i did did you see the report that came out like a week before they announced the casting it was like oh they're having a tough time finding yeah Brad, i actually so i think this yeah. was the same person who tweeted at me for my live show last week yeah. about the casting like they're having trouble like they shouldn't be having trouble there's a freaking industry <laughs> right. so but it, it all it all comes that's why i don't care I, like it comes down to yeah. just don't make live action versions of these movies at the please. end of the day it's just like these movies haven't been good so yeah. far like the the more i think about being the beast the more i really don't like it, it was, yeah I, it was such a I waste of time <laughs> I, I don't know if i can't remember if we discussed it on the show or not but yeah. that was my feeling about it like yeah this was fine didn't you just feel like your two hours was just wasted. <laughs> like, I like Dan Stevens. I actually like his take on the Beast. He was actually, like, this arrogant guy. I liked his performance as the Beast. Yeah. He shouldn't have been animated. No. Well, with everything we can do with hair and makeup, they yeah. still CG'd the face of that stupid <laughs> Kurt. Come on! <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, but speaking of casting, mm-hmm. the 13th Doctor is woman. Oh, really? They finally have a female taking on the mantle of doctor who i was just talking to my buddy uh, jim about this in particular in that a character that's been around for so long it's time to mix it up it's time to do something new with them doctor who has been doing great stuff in its in ever since they brought on chris freckleson and they recreated like rebooted the series and staying true to its 50 years of canon you don't not you do not have to watch fifty years of canon to to enjoy the show. Is it really fifty years? Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they had the fiftieth anniversary a couple years ago. I did not realize yeah. it's been around that long. But it 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 was it was time for them to take a chance on doing something even bigger and yeah. something and to th- cast a female is great. Yeah. She has a boy cut, so there is that. <laughs> <laughs> so it, we're gonna ease you into it. Maybe she'll have long hair by her third season. <laughs> But it, really, the conversation was about James Bond and you, mm. that that character. We've discussed this on the show. I don't want to go into too much detail. Did you hear about the news, though? No. Daniel Craig's coming back. Oh and God. so is Adele. What? Yeah. Adele, fine. Why is Daniel <laughs> Craig coming back? It is time to do something new. <laughs> this is exactly what I'm talking about. It is time to do something new. Yeah. After we watched Spectre, I've I've bitched about it on the show before. <laughs> I realized I hate James Bond. Now that's strong. I don't like James Bond. Yeah. Casino Royale is the best James Bond movie to me because, because it's not it, James Bond. It's the least James Bond yeah. movie. The gadgets, the womanizing, mm. the martinis, the one-liners. You can keep it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> they are so products of their time. They have been done better by other people since. Yeah. Inspector. <laughs> I've had the rant before. I'm not going to have it again. Yeah. But why, Daniel Craig? You're better than this. He is so much better. Are you better than this? Maybe you're not better than this. 
yeah, he does right. have a pretty hokey accent in that new Soderbergh movie. Lo- Lo- Logan Lucky. Logan Lucky. Are you looking forward to that? Uh, I saw Baby Driver. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, we haven't talked about that yet. We could we could discuss Baby yeah. Driver if you want to. Um, we can. Uh, Schulze and Jeff are planning to do that for the next react, so we'll let them have it. Yeah, we can talk about Baby Driver off mic. Um, you can just say thumbs up or thumbs down. Thumbs up, okay. How <laughs> <laughs> about two? Oh, two thumbs up. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, well, we'll leave it. I don't have any other tweets, any other news stories you want to drop on me before before we we wrap this up. Man, I felt like there's a bunch of stuff that happened since we met, but I, I don't remember because I didn't write them down. We'll we'll yeah. talk about it once we get yeah. done recording here. Uh, but uh, there you go. So if you would like to comment below, tweet at us. Like I said, you can reach me at TC's Big Head on Twitter or on Instagram. Ben's at Benji Toes. And Head's Ben Toes. Why don't you uh, do a quick plug for Band With No Name? Oh, for sure. So I am the El Capitan of Band With No Name Films. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook at slash Band With No Name Films. Um, as TC mentioned, all of my t- Twitter handles or my social media handles are at Benjitos, B-E-N-J-I-T-O-E-S. Are you doing a new series of, blo- of journals right now? Um, no, I'm just oh, every once in a while when I have a spark of inspiration okay you yeah. throw it up there cool I, there's you, a recent one up there if you want to yeah, see yeah. it for my trip from utah yeah, yeah you have some good retrospective and introspective posts very very uh thoughtful and engaging which gotta uh, thank you again for publishing them oh hey yeah. tc's my publisher now. yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh, also check out uh, immortal iron fist your uh fan film for iron fist that you did which just won an award for editing at, go ryan gonzalez comic-con asian american comic-con and uh yeah so i'm not sure when the next time ben and i are going to meet but candace and i are heading to comic-con next week san diego comic-con for all five days of excitement um i'm not i'm sure there'll be plenty of big news stories that are going to come out comic-con like there always are but i don't think there's gonna be as many as we think because d23 just happened so marvel doesn't need to drop any bombshells a week after their event yeah so uh, well, I'll, I'll come back with a... Are you going this year at all? No, I'm not going this year. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately. Well, uh, I loved it last year, though. We, we, we will come back with a conversation about everything Comic-Con has to offer. Hmm. Uh, potentially, I, I may end up doing that episode with Schulze because I'm traveling to the Midwest for some business no in worries. August. So yeah. uh, we'll just have to meet again when we meet again. We could do a best of end of, end of summer watch. Oh, we, we do love our list episodes. We, I love it. <laughs> the five-hour episodes. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you can also check out me in my many places as well. You can see I do the Top Shelf podcast uh, with uh, the Disney Animation Studios Library that I do with Jeff. We took the week off, two weeks off because of business and travel for Jeff, which I apologize. I initially thought we were only going to have one week off. So maybe for those of you who missed out on a Disney Top Shelf, came over here to talk about Spider-Man with us. And you can also check out Redacted Media on YouTube and Facebook, where we have our short films and music videos and commercials. Our most recent short film, Stakeout Stories, just did okay at a certain film festival where we... And by okay, they swept the awards. Nah, nah, <laughs> we did not sweep, but we did get five really fun awards, uh, including, if I may boast a little bit, got a directing award. You so. buster. <laughs> hashtag humblebrag. Uh, hashtag humblebrag. Uh, yeah, so you can check that out over at Redacted Media. That's all we have for you this time. Thank you so much for listening and uh, spending your day with us for two and a half hours. So we'll be back again soon with another rewatchment, possibly a list episode. I am TCD Witt for Ben across the table from me. High five for all the rewatchmen out there saying, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> Hope music dangles on a string like slow spinning my, redemption, my, redemption my, winding my, in my, and winding up a shine of head.
think it's caught my eye and roped me in so mesmerizing so hypnotizing I am captivated I am vindicated